Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. In 1995, theorizing that one could time travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned. Until now. Quantum Leap was an experimental time travel program, years away from being tested. Why did you leap? I don't remember anything. Your name is Dr. Ben Song. You're a time traveler, leaping from life to life, trying to put right what once went wrong. I'm Addison Augustine. You're the woman I love. Yeah, Ben. He remembered you. I know you're worried about Ben's motivations. Ben's working with someone. Al Calavici's daughter, Janice. Someone opened a remote link in the system. Janice Calavici. What is that? That's a destination. I think that Ben was trying to leap into the future. To a specific place, a specific point in time. That shouldn't be possible. I remember. Remember what? Why I leapt in the first place. It's to save you. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 126, Fellow Travelers. Yeah, you, step aside! Come on, boys, be nice to Jack. After all, my life is in his hands. Madison, where are you? Where is he? Chicago, April 24th, 1979. Madison, you okay? Yup, just looking forward to finding out what the hell Ben meant when he said he'd left to save me. Guessing she's not happy about Ben keeping that a secret. Sorry about that dramatic exit last time. Not your fault. So, tell me everything. Well, it's coming back slowly. I remember working with that woman, Janice Calavici. I remember knowing that what I was doing was the only way I could save you, but I just don't remember from what. And I uh, don't suppose you remember why you couldn't tell me? I know you're upset. I just feel like of things to say to your fiance, you're in danger, feels like the top of that. I'm just as frustrated as you are, and I'll remember, I'm sure of it. Okay, let's just focus on the lead. It's 1979, I'm a bodyguard named Jack Armstrong, I'm here with a singer named Carly Farmer, and it's the day before the concert. There, now we can have our conversation. No, we can't. Ziggy says Carly died on stage. In her sound check. That's, that's now. Carly! Carly! Ben? I don't think that was an accident. Siggy says now that Carly doesn't die in her sound check, she's murdered tonight. Jamie is here and we can't find Trevor. Jamie. Carly's younger sister. Oh, that Jamie. She's here? She says she has a ticket to the show tomorrow and claims she was invited to this party. Which, obviously, she wasn't. Okay, I'll tell Carly. Jack, are you insane? She's enough to worry about already and you want to tell her her junkie sister is here. Just get rid of her. Jamie Farmer, nice to meet you. Jack Armstrong, hi. Uh, Ben, I just finished looking at the court records. Jamie murdered Carly Farmer. I've heard such great things. (laughs) Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm every woman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm Matt Dale. I thought it was Shaka Khan for a second. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Today we're back. Hey everyone, we're back from hiatus. Hey. Hey. hey! Wasn't much of a hiatus, was it, Chris? Uh, well, not for us. I mean, I think we put out more content in the month of December <laughs> during the hiatus than we have in like the last six months. It was crazy amount of content that we put out. So yeah, not for us. And if you've been following the feed, you've been having plenty to tide you over until this momentous mm. occasion, the return. <sighs> 
of Quantum Leap. 2023 now, not just 2022, 2023. Ooh. Does that mean he's now Dr. Ben Song from the year 2023? No, because he left in 2022. (laughs) No, he left in 2022. Now he's he's not shackled to any other time. That's right. Like, would he technically be Dr. Ben Song from the year 1980-81 is what I think we figured out? Uh, there's also, to be fair, there's, there's, and I expect more of Quantum Leap than this, but there's a lot of bad time travel shows which will just update the time that the character thinks they're from based on the aging of the character throughout the series. Doctor Who, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I was going to say, see also Simpsons. Yeah. You're away for five years time travelling, and somehow you think you're from the year five years later than the year you left. Obviously, he's from the year 2022. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to age five years and then go back to the same year that you left, right? Then yeah, you would yeah. Be, you'd still think of yourself as being from the year 2022. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it's true. Sam Beckett thought of himself as being from the year 1995 the whole time. He wouldn't yeah. have thought himself as being from the far future time of 2000. What is what is the time travel etiquette then? I guess that you are dated as a time traveler from the day that you first traveled. Yeah, you can't say yeah. you're from 2023 because you've never experienced 2023, right? You're right. not and from yeah, time exactly. anymore. But technically, yeah. you're not. You, you you traveled in 2023, but you've existed far before that. Uh, presumably, unless you're a time traveling baby. Yeah, but you don't. You know, if you like, if you go on a plane and you're saying you're going from. Brooklyn, New York, to to Swindon, England. You know, like you're not going to say you're coming from where you were born. You say you come from the last place you were, right? Yeah. And the only point where that argument falls down is that if you then arrive in England and spend several years there, and then New York is taken over by somebody who renames it, would you say just for ease's sake you're from the place by its new name, or would you consider to continue to say you're from New York? Because it's that's just like way. saying, like, you're from a bruisey, but it's not a bruisey anymore. <laughs> it's like saying you're Etruscan instead of Italian. Yeah, I'm know. really sorry I started this line of conversation. This, is, so the great, this is the great kind of debates we can have about uh, time travel and locations. Let me just say something. I am so glad that new Quantum Leap is back, because you know what? Yeah. I missed it. Me I'm too. glad we got more stuff to talk about. Yeah, me too. I was surprised at how thrilled I was when the screener dropped so early this time. I was like, oh my yeah, God, it's back so much earlier than I anticipated. And it's unexpected. Uh, yeah, just a episode genuine... of Quantum Leap. Woof. I usually note when we filibuster like this at the start of an episode and start talking about absolute rubbish, it's because we're really dreading talking about how terrible what we're about to talk about is. But I, I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case here. No, it was it was a pleasant surprise seeing this. Uh, we don't know when the screeners are going to drop. There's not like a schedule for them. Uh, but sometimes uh, with these first eight episodes, uh, it could be kind of last minute. And uh, so sometimes mm. it, we'd be like, I'd be on the back end refreshing it, being like, is it up yet? Is it up yet? Is it up yet? And then this time, I didn't expect it two weeks early. And then you guys are like, hey, guess what's guess what's up on the NBC Media Village? And I'm like, what? Excuse yeah. me? What? Huh? I was at work. I know what I'm watching tonight. I was just about to, I, I just tucked myself up in bed uh, quite late as well when it dropped. And I was just like, oh, I should it's be asleep Christmas by now Christmas present. <laughs> what a beautiful Christmas present. Thank you, Quantum Leap team. Hey, speaking of Christmas presents, they announced a renewal for season two. <laughs> Wait, can I announce something yes. first? What? Uh, just an in announcement case anyone... to announce the to proceed yes. the announcement <laughs> to proceed the announcement, if I may. May I? Okay. Do I have permission? Okay. 
Okay, fellow <laughs> leapers. Um, today we'll be talking about the season one, episode nine, fellow travelers of Quantum Leap. Because <laughs> we haven't even <laughs> mentioned that yet. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. This is uh, episode nine, fellow travelers, in which Ben finds himself uh, as a bodyguard. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But as Allison uh, just mentioned, he's going to be finding himself in a lot more sticky situations because they just announced season two early season two (laughs) renewal baby and actually we we don't know how many episodes it's been renewed for but presumably hopefully this time it's a full season straight out of the gate right so we're not going to have this problematic thing which they've they've dealt with admirably this season but where they had to deal with well, it, it's going to be nine episodes, or maybe it's going to be 13, or maybe it's going to be 18, and they've, they've had to play fast and loose with the arc. I'm, I'm really hoping that this time around it's just, yep, we got 20 episodes, or whatever it is, and they can, they can have a nicely plotted out arc up front. Imagine yeah. what they could do with that. I'm very excited. <laughs> I feel like that's usually the etiquette is a uh, is a full season order if you're re- renewing yeah. it for a second season. That yeah. means they have faith that this is going to be something that... Uh, is going to last them a while. Uh, I guess we won't know till they announce it, but I feel like it's probably going to be a full 22 or around that. Yeah. Right. And even if they do announce that it's a full 22 or somewhere around there, we have to take into account that these are TV executives and they can pull the rug out from under us at any time <laughs> without giving a crap. <laughs> so <laughs> if that happens, just add a caption onto the end quickly. It'll be fine. Quantum Leap fandom <laughs> is very forgiving of captions to end series. Yeah. Dr. Ben Sung never returned home with a U. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to make it a little different. Doctor Ben Sung returned home again and again and again and again. Doctor Doctor Ben Sunk. <laughs> Doctor Ben Sunk never saved Addison from whatever it was he was going to save her from. Doctor Bong, now come on, guys. <laughs> Doctor Bong, are you trying? <laughs> And then, and they go like, Dr. Ben's song never leaped home. Pretty messed up, huh? And then credits. Like, what? <laughs> Addison crying. But then we'll all hold out hope for the next 30 years that he and Sam are leaping together. And yeah. uh, Oh, they got like a, a whole like buddy, uh-huh. buddy movie going <laughs> that'll on. That'll be the, you the, know? The, the second reboot, the third iteration of Quantum Leap. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be, the poster is going to be uh, Ben and Sam leaning with back to back with their arms folded. This guy. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's uh, upgraded to Captain Galaxy and uh, Ben is Future Boy. This <laughs> is stalwart sidekick. <laughs> I think they would rock that tinfoil is all I'm saying. That'd be amazing. And once again, Matt becomes integral to the uh, the next iteration. Forget Beyond the Mirror Image. He has the original Captain Galaxy hat. They're going to need that for the set. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is great stuff. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, now that we know that people from the show are uh, are listening, story ideas, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> when Ben leaps into a monkey again. Uh, <laughs> diaper monkey part two. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I can't wait. I can't wait. We've already we've already fleshed that one out in an earlier episode. We had the whole thing. So hmm. listen back. <laughs> I've been listening back to some of our earlier stuff with the uh, with the new series with the what are we calling it? the revival series? Right. We decided to pick up uh, revival and legacy series, I think, or classic series for describing them instead of original and reboot. So anyway, I did. People on Twitter call it Queep Boot. 
creep the creep boot creep boot Ooh, <laughs> that sounds like something medical yeah i got a bit of creep boot but i got some pills for it i'll be all right <laughs> well while you find those pills i'm gonna tell everybody that we have a major get for this episode we've been sitting on this one since before the hiatus we are going to be bringing you an interview with georgina riley who plays janice calavici <laughs> She's not evil, she's just misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I really don't think she qualifies as the big bad. You wrote that she's the big bad. I don't think she's the big bad. You notice I spoke around <laughs> it with the mwahaha. Uh, I'm stoked to hear the interview, though. Um, I saw a little bit of it. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Um, sorry to have missed that one, but it seems like you guys all had like a really great time. Oh, we did. Uh, she was so great to talk to. And she listens to the show as well. Yeah. So, hi. Cheers for Allison by name. <laughs> and uh, Nanrissa Lee also said, where's Allison? They both did. They I, both asked for you by name. They were both on the same day, and I couldn't do it that day. And then, like, <laughs> both of them were like, where's Allison? And I'm like, oh, say sight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if they're still listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come back. Yeah, one thing I was really concerned about is that um, the Georgina interview would date a little bit because we did it uh, before this this new episode, right after the Standby Ben episode aired, right? I believe so. Well, it, the, no, it's because we recorded it before Standby Ben uh, based on the screener, so we hadn't even seen the trailer for the, right. uh, that ended Standby Ben, so we, we hadn't seen um, Janice being led into... Uh, the headquarters in cuffs yes yeah yeah so i mean i think that that's the only thing that might date the interview a little bit but i think on on the whole they didn't expose a hell of a lot in this episode that would make that that interview out of date so that's my roundabout way of saying it's still great you got to listen to it because georgina's hilarious and she was such a great person to talk to and we're so happy that we finally got her she was the last i guess of the big six if you want to call it that that we needed (laughs) to get big seven if you want to include susan deal great great stuff so stay tuned for that after the break We're also very thrilled to be bringing you another interview from someone directly related to this episode. Matt, can you tell us a bit about who you spoke to? Yeah, we were. This this came round very quickly. Um, Dean Georgiaris, one of the executive producers, was kind enough to put us in touch with Jamie Jackson. Jamie Jackson isn't a name that a lot of people be familiar with because um, she's very much um, behind the scenes. She, she's the composer who wrote uh, the the song from this episode, uh, "Traveling On," and uh, yeah, she she's done a, a whole bunch of TV. Uh, she's one of those one of those names where when you you know the songs, uh, you recognise her. But um, it, it's a lovely interview that uh, she was very she was very gracious with her time. We spoke to her, I think, about twenty four hours after we found out her name. And um, she spoke to Albie and I for about half an hour about just the whole nature of the production, the the background to the song, uh, some really cool information there that as somebody that doesn't know how music is created for TV, I found fascinating. Um, she was just, uh, she was delightful to talk to. Yeah, I feel like we have the best of both worlds here. We have um, one of the principal cast members to talk to us about the show and things that might be a Bruin on the show and we have uh like quantum leap 
podcast of yore, someone from behind the scenes telling us how the sausage is made, which is always really interesting to us fans as well. So I can't wait to um, hear both interviews uh, with Georgina and Jamie again. After the break, you'll be hearing those. So, wow, uh, so much going on. And uh, not least of which, we have a whole new episode to talk about. Why don't we do some first impressions? Allison, tell us your first impressions of fellow travelers. Well, uh, I was stoked to be watching some new Quantum Leap. Uh, I think that I noticed some uh, changes and some improvements. Uh, I think that they're definitely listening to what people are saying. Uh, so they've um, they've added some things and changed some things. Uh, and I think that the the leap was pretty good. I thought that the uh, the guest stars. Deborah Ann Wool and Carissa Lee Staples were really, really strong guest stars, and I, I like their performances a lot. Cool. How about you, Matt? Um, quite similar to Allison. Um, although I, I've got to say, I see this more of more of an organic change. Um, I, I think, for the most part, most of the episodes this season have been just slowly improving in the same ways, and I didn't notice anything specific that changed with this episode but i did think it was important that they came back with a really strong episode post hiatus and they did it's a it's a great leap story with some fun stuff going on back at the project as as allison said some some fabulous guest star turns yeah just, just a really good episode all round very happy about that yeah, I, I agree. I think that this was a very strong return. I think it was a good natural follow-up to the big reveal that we got at the end of Stand By Ben, that uh, Ben is actually leaping to save Addison for some reason, somehow, we don't know about. But at the same time, it felt like a lot of the new things that the new Quantum Leap is trying to do story-wise – uh, we have the Leap in the Project stuff, and they're trying to tie it together with some of the same themes. Um, I think that they really pulled that off very well in this episode. And because of that, it felt like the Leap plot and the Project plot were much uh, more integrated this time out, mainly because we're dealing with a lot of reaction to the reveal. So naturally, it's going to be like that. But I feel like we're at a natural point in the story where all of these disparate elements that we've been sort of weighing against each other are now going to start to come together, um, especially now that Janice is back at the project. I think that we're going to see a lot more synergy between the two halves of the show going forward. Anyway, that's the way it seems to me. So not only do I think we um, have a strong leap here, I think that we have like a sea change in the way the show might be uh, going forward. So um, all positive stuff as far as I'm concerned. And terrific guest cast. Terrific guest cast. So a lot of heady stuff, though. I mean, that being said, we're dealing with a lot of betrayal in this episode mm. and, and feelings of anger. I, I felt like in many ways this was Caitlin's episode because – she is, once again, at the nexus of all of it. Um, Addison is the character that you see in both worlds. And she's dealing with it there, and she's dealing with it with Ben. And they had some um, really neat ways of having Ben speak to her about this huge reveal and the betrayal she feels, which was also pertinent to the leap at hand and the situation that he was in. Yeah, and that's... Um, i, I got to be honest, that surprised me a bit. And maybe... Maybe it's me being naive, or maybe it's just the the writers took it in a different and believable way than I was expecting. 
But I left um, the cliffhanger at the end of 108 thinking, wow, good for Ben. He's out there trying to save his his uh, fiance. Isn't that good? Everyone's going to be happy about that. And at the start of the episode, I could not get why Addison was so upset by this this yeah this this betrayal. Same. And yeah. between the writing and the performance, it was sold so well. I got it. I absolutely got it. But I I love being surprised by that. Um, and I love the fact that it did that, and it didn't just it wasn't something that I predicted, and yet it also was was believable. So. I was really happy with that. And the fact that, yes, at last we're seeing some nice parallels between what's going on at the project, even if this, at the project in inverted commas, because this is Addison and Ben together on the leap, but they're not really on the leap, talking about their relationship. And it's uh, the same kind of betrayal stuff going on in the leap itself. It neatly dovetails, which is something that we've been talking about for uh, the whole season. So that was uh, such a good element to it. Addison was so mad at him. Like she's mm. like, "You hid this from me and didn't let me save myself. You think I'm this damsel in distress?" Mm. So she's like, "I'm she's getting, getting the my nails out. did. I'm getting on my jumpsuit. I'm gonna look so good. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get in there, and he's gonna be missing what he doesn't have." <laughs> so. Yeah. F you, Ben. <laughs> um, she, you know what? I I liked that they allowed her to to be a little bit angry about it because um, sometimes she was a little bit defensive of him in the beginning. So I think she was trying to overcompensate maybe a little bit and and not blame him so much till she got the full uh, story. I do think. In this episode, uh, it came off a little one note to me, and it was kind of. Um, I don't know. I think there's a balance to be had. I, I did like the parallels there where she's like, you needed to let her save herself because she's hmm. she's thinking about their story. So I did like how those narrative themes tied together. Um, I just wish that when Addison showed up, it didn't, it seemed to kind of take over the scene. Like she would interrupt things to be angry and it kind of felt like the same thing through much of it. Uh, but I do like that they were giving uh, Caitlin Bassett some more material to work with there. And uh, and I think that they didn't need Ernie Hudson at the beginning to state why she's upset. I feel <laughs> like that's more of like telling than showing. But uh, mm. but when they actually got to it on the leap, her talking about it, uh, I felt it gelled a little better. Mm. I agree. I think that they did have some expositiony stuff at the project like they want to do. I think that also might have been to get viewers back to speed from being yes. away from the hiatus so it's almost like a little bit of a recap even though we had a bit of a recap at the beginning this one started with a completely different saga cell than we've seen in the first eight episodes yeah i think that yeah. was one of the the improvements because uh that's one of the things that people complain about a lot like i when i read reddit or uh or twitter or whatever like people are like this is really awkward the saga sells really awkward because they like add these pauses to it and it's trying to do the original saga sell but different and it just kind of it felt a little awkward and I feel like this was it, I think this was a positive change. But is is this a permanent change or is it a one-off story so far to reintroduce us after the hiatus? I wouldn't be surprised if they went back to the previous one next week. I don't know. I thought this was better, though. It felt like a little more their own thing. It was a little rushed, but I didn't mind it being short. Just felt very unnecessarily detailed if it's going to be week after week. And and possibly detailed to the point where it will age quickly. I don't know in what way, but something will happen that will mean that it 
there'll be facts in there that are missing or turn out to be incorrect. I wonder if what we're seeing is an evolution of the saga cell, kind of like we're seeing an evolution of the way the story is being told in the series itself, mm-hmm. in the sense that the first eight, you have to basically sell, hey, this is Quantum Leap, but different, but the same, but different. So uh, we're going to explain it in many of the same ways, but shoehorn our thing into it. Whereas this saga cell felt so much more organic because the show now has its own story to tell, its own themes to lean on. If that makes sense. And it doesn't so Mm. much have to be beholden to selling someone on, hey, this is new Quantum Leap, as opposed to, hey, this is where we are now. And uh, I I think that that's that's a small but marked shift in the way I hope they're trying to present the show going forward. It's more of its own thing, as opposed to a rehash of something you once loved. I think some of that must just come down to confidence in the production in the feedback that they're getting from viewers and so on. I, I, I'm not sure it nests for me. I'm not sure it necessarily represents a, a change in the show so much as, okay, we can breathe easy now. We've got an audience. We don't need to keep talking about the original series and what is or isn't the same or different. This is, yeah, this is its own entity and we're standing behind that. And maybe that confidence you uh, speak about is born from the fact that they did get that early season two pickup. So <laughs> yes. they feel like they can just yeah. play in their own universe Yeah, now. Which is great. Yeah. Um, we can really start building our own lore, our own uh, following, and not be so beholden to what has come before. And I have a feeling we're going to be hearing less and less about the original project, especially now that we sort of have Janice in-house. They do mention Al by name in this episode and have sort of a cheeky callback to his fashion sense. But, uh, I mean, that was basically it. And um, aside from maybe Ziggy ever waking up and actually speaking in this, I feel like this thing is going to go on its own way from here on in without being so beholden to um, the legacy of Sam Beckett, even though it'll always be there. It's not a focal point. Um, Has it? Has it been a focal point? Uh, I guess. Have they been beholden to the old series? <laughs> I guess not. I mean, in my head, yes, because of the whole Janice. Some people have had a lot of theories about it, but yeah. it wasn't really. We, we had Beth show up. <laughs> we had Beth show up. We had Magic talk about how he got leaped into. Yeah. So. Yeah. We had uh, Sam Stratton show up uh, yeah. th- 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 with no real <laughs> connection. That was under the old okay. showrunners, though. That was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was Mach yeah. one. I think we're in Mach two. Maybe we're entering Mach three. But I'm bump. Mm. Stratton, you got that right. Um. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do think that they've. Uh, I do think that they have added things in uh, that people have been talking about. Though Ian was working on the leap. Yep. Yes. Bare yeah. minimum. <laughs> the project. Ian was working on the leap, and I loved it. I love that they were uh, they were trying to figure out what was going on. It felt like they they cared a little bit about what was happening on Ben's end. It helped to tie the future and the past together hmm. better than it had been before. And the fact that um, they also had Ian able to express more of their own identity in the course of the dialogue. I don't know if you guys found that clunky. Look, when I was eight years old, I realized that about half of the world just blindly accepted as true the construct of gender that is both artificial and profoundly limiting. So yeah, I am pretty suspicious of basically anything that people say is a fact. I thought it was okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
I'm I, yeah. I, I'm trying to be uh, positive here. It was a little clunky. Every sentence kind of seemed like a little soundbite to state something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to be mm-hmm. like. And I think that people who are on drugs are vilified. And I uh, <laughs> learned about gender identity at this age, and like, it's a little bit. It's a little bit just kind of stating it rather than having it be part of the story. But it is a little bit difficult with Ian or people at the project because we don't really see much of their lives outside of them at the project so it's kind of hard to organically put these things in yeah and maybe that'll change going forward as well again now that we're not having the chase that we did i'm really hoping that part of the of the story is over of of the cat and mouse because that to me was was the thing that annoyed me the most and i couldn't tell you the sense of relief i felt not just when i saw them bringing janice into the uh, project in handcuffs but when i saw the picture of her coming into uh, the project in mm-hmm. handcuffs in the promo materials i'm like thank god <laughs> thank god we're going to bring this cast together finally it's a long time coming and i think it's past due just before we move on from that point um yeah you, you mentioned about the clunkiness of some of that expository dialogue that's still occasionally there. Um, oh, that moment where we, presumably for brand new viewers, um, we we get a very quick potted view of the kind of character Ben is through a flashback to episode 104. Did anyone else feel that was crowbarred in? <laughs> and then, then like, uh, remember what happened last time? Flashback yeah. shoot. I know I give people the benefit of the doubt, but... Like Tammy Jean? The damsel in distress who turned out to be a drug lord. Point taken. And I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> that was, I, I know. It was some, very CSI, wasn't it? <laughs> sometimes that kind of thing has to be done. Um, but it, it, it did stick out as a, this is a moment for a brand new viewer. <laughs> Let's hope they move on from that. We, we, we might pick up some new viewers, Jen. <laughs> I, I do think that Ben and... Um, and Deborah Ann Wool were uh, the strongest parts of this episode. I did really like the leap, and I liked how they've uh, tied in the traveler theme through the show. I mean, you can see that in obviously the the songs called um, "Travel On," "Traveling On," "Travel On." I mean, there's travel in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like "Fellow Travelers" is the name of the episode. It's the name of her album. Ben was called Traveler in uh, "O Ye of Little Faith." Obviously, um, there's the immigration story going on. You would you would call that a traveler, I would think. Uh, so yeah, I can see the the themes of the show weaving throughout it. Yeah, mm. and yes, it is traveling on. Sorry, I just had to double check. Traveling on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that uh, that she did a great job, and I liked her and her sister. And I thought like it was a nice leap story bringing these two together, and uh, another one that kind of emphasizes uh, rehabilitation versus. Sending someone to jail, getting their comeuppance. So it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I was all prepared for, and I guess maybe uh, anybody else might have seen it coming, but because I was thinking so much of the King Thunder episode, right? I was waiting for Trevor to be revealed as the bad guy all along. Yeah. So it wasn't <laughs> much of a twist, but it was a nice twist that it turned out that, you know, he really wasn't who they thought he was. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the one yes. for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, like, I was like, he just seems too skeevy. At the moment that he like he showed up and he was giving Ben that dirty look, I'm like, ah, oh, he did it. But he did. <laughs> but then do it. when they they reveal him as the bad guy halfway through, you know, he's the red herring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, well, okay, it's either the the blonde lady that was the what what did she do? She was a manager. The backing singer. Oh, she was a backing singer. Right, right. That right because. 
Yeah, she was one of the backing singers. I was like, it's either her or like one of the friend ladies that was talking with her about like, ew, your sister's here. Get her out of here. <laughs> yeah. And that's that that harkens back to Quantum Leap of Yore. I mean, you, Quantum you, you have three yeah. characters, you know that, you know, you, you can eliminate two of them pretty readily. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, it's going to be. But I like the fact that um, they did weave a lot of that traveler stuff into it because once again, it felt like they were leaning into the confidence that they have, that they're going to have a lot more stories to tell. So, I mean, it, it's telling you to settle into the fact that Ben's not coming home anytime soon. And to have the character settle into the fact that maybe he's not going to be coming home anytime soon, especially if he's got this unforeseen mission that he doesn't even know why he's left in the first place. So uh, he's he's obviously got a job to do. And that's another thing that I thought was a good turn of events in the episode. Thematically, again, that, that sense of betrayal, but but also, I mean, the fact that you can tell Ben being Ben probably only did what he did with the best of intentions. And mm. when he says that he did it to save Addison, like to him, that's the most noble of intentions. Yeah. And to her, that's like, well, fuck you. You don't think I can take care of yeah. myself? <laughs> We're a team. And I, I'm as a, as, as a man who's been married for close to 30 years, it took me a long time to learn that, you know, the person you love doesn't need to be taken care of and rescued. They need to be loved and supported and trusted. And Ben just is falling into like a classic, it's just a classic guy thing. It's just like, no, no, let you let me worry about that. I'm here. I'm here for that. That's why I'm here. Well, are you? I mean, you're the, you're the pacifist who's more, you know, in t-shirts and jeans in front of a computer and she's been to Afghanistan. I don't think she needs rescuing Ben. On a different topic, I just just got to say quickly, I've been watching too much Quantum Leap because, Chris, for a second there, I thought you were going to say, as a guy who's been married four times. <laughs> like, Not quite when, yet. When did your previous... I haven't heard okay. about this. Oh, no, Al came out of the imaging chamber. Now I've been married four oh. times. <laughs> Listen back to Random Measures, everyone. Which one was Jana? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was apropos of nothing. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um, Addison is right to be upset because without knowing why any of this is going on, she doesn't understand why he wouldn't just tell her and let her save herself. Like, why does she have to be rescued? But as they pointed out in this episode, as we pointed out before, he said in his message, this is bigger than you and me. So I don't think it's just about saving Addison. I think that's part of it. But I think there's something else going on where he felt he had to do this uh, without her and without the team. Um, I'm very curious to see what it is. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to the uh, Stand by Ben after show <laughs> that just got posted on our YouTube channel. And uh, Hayden actually pointed out something I hadn't thought about, but it is kind of obvious. If if this, whatever happened, happened in the future, why does Ben need to leap to do it instead of just waiting for it to happen? Why mm. is this something that requires leaping? Curious. Hmm. I hope that... Ben does have a good reason for keeping Addison in the dark, and I think they've been setting something up nicely with this whole uh, Ziggy's capable of predicting what people might do next. It may be whether Ziggy's even aware that she's been used for this or not. It may be they've done some work to say, well, actually, if we tell Addison what she's going to do or what's going to happen to her and she tries to save herself, this is the string of events that's going to happen and it's going to make things even worse. 
And instead of just yeah, Addison yeah. dying, lots of other people will die. So we have to keep Addison in the dark because otherwise she will be the agent of her own destruction. The writers are smart enough that they can do something. Ooh, the possibilities. Really, they call it a, a, the, a predestination some, some kind of paradox. paradox. Yeah, predestination yeah. paradox. Or uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. If you do nothing, something bad will happen. If you try and let Addison save herself, something even worse will happen. Yeah, I mean, why leap? I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Hopefully, again, there's a there's a smart reason for that. I mean, it may be something that he couldn't do as Ben. He had to be someone else to do this at another point in time. Like, it's something that he couldn't simply do as himself in the present. Yeah, but do do the Mission Impossible thing, but get a latex mask on, pretend to be someone else. <laughs> or jump into the untested reboot of a time machine that you know you're going to lose your memory in. Don't tell anyone what's going on and be sneaky about it. Yeah, I mean, Think about that's it. a way to go. Or before Addison dies or whatever it is that happens to Addison... Ben is going to die, and there is no way around that. So Ben can't simply wait around to save Addison because he's not going to make it that far. Oh, that's a good. That's I haven't listened to the after show. I don't know if Hayden talks about that as well. But that's it, there's got to be some kind of barrier yeah, that he's yeah. trying to get past by yeah. leaping. Well, there are a couple Absolutely. of things in the series that point to that, and also something that Janice says in this episode, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Um, I have some issues with just the flow of time between the project and the leap. And we've talked about that before. It seemed pretty evident here, but I really enjoyed the scene between Janice and Jen and um, sort of that, that tete-a-tete that they were doing Uh, mainly because I love Georgina as Janice and I really love Nanrissa as Jen. As I said earlier, before the hiatus, Jen is quickly becoming my favorite character. If they give her good Mm -hmm. stuff to do, I just think Nanrissa has a great screen presence. And, um, the one thing that sort of gave me a chill is when Janice says to Jen, you're asking the wrong question. You were doing really well until you asked that question instead of the one you should be asking. Which is? Why did Ben come to me when he had all of you? My dad had people he could trust accordingly. Do you? Because Ben sure didn't seem to think so. Why didn't he trust any of you? Yeah. So that leads to yet maybe another speculation. Um, we know that Ben is trying to leap to some unspecified point in the future, right? I mean, they they reiterated that in this episode that he was sort of slingshotting to a point in the future where, I mean, Sam never tried to leap into the future. It was always about within his own lifetime in the past. And they only alluded to the fact that he might be able to leap into the future in mirror image and that's rollaway line in mirror image. So hmm. obviously it's still something to try to get you know, beyond your presence, right? So could it be that he saw a future in which he and the rest of the staff of Project Quantum Leap were working towards bad ends and he needed to go outside of that structure to circumvent it, to get there, to prevent something that they're all complicit in that they don't know is coming down the pike? Maybe. Ben forgot to record... Some football with Joe Montana. <laughs> so he needed to, he, he actually, he leaped into him to see the game firsthand. That's his goal anyway. I think okay. that Allison's tired of the speculation. <laughs> I'm just saying there's lots of possibilities. We can't rule anything out. Wow. Oh, well, mind blown. That's it. Podcast over. Let's hang it up. <laughs> 
We uh, we got more hologram effects. There was noticeably more hologram effects. Oh, that was amazing. So happy. Hell about that. yeah. I loved when Addison just like, they, they do this effect where she kind of collapses in. I feel like that's yeah. a, a pretty good update of what they used to do with the door. Yeah. So she just like, you know, folds out of nowhere <laughs> and uh, appears sitting next to him or when she like uh, pops in next to uh, Carly as she's uh, doing her dress or, or, or singing rehearsal. Yeah, that's great. Her getting to the stage by like popping out, popping back in it, but it's not a pop, like you say. It's more like a folding in and out of reality. It's oh, it's so yeah. Good. They did they did sort of an update of what they used to do with the jump cuts to make it look you know a little bit nicer. And I think it is noticeable that they had a lot more time to polish this episode uh, than they've had in the, in the past because they were really struggling with the schedule and uh, reshoots and delays and stuff like that. So I feel like the show was really hurting because of that. But you could tell they had more time to to polish the effects. Um, the color correction, I think, was a lot nicer than it has been. There was sort of a yellow tint to it, but I feel like in appropriate places. It also felt very uh, appropriate to the time. The 70s has a lot of like yellows and browns and oranges. So, you know, I feel like it looked a lot nicer than it has been. So, I, yeah, I, I think that the show had, had time to improve. <laughs> I do wonder, again, this is going to be me coming across as being happy with what I've seen, but just being cautious before I get too optimistic about the rest of the series, is if some of the reason for the, the hologram effects and the, the fact that there were so many this week is, again, for the the new viewers that maybe have heard about this show and want to watch it, and there's no way of saying, oh, hey, Ben, I'm just your friendly hologram popping in from the future, so you explain it by showing it and hope that people figure it out. That that happened in episode six quite a few times as well, because obviously that was originally going to be episode one. There, there were more hologram effects just to introduce the concept. So it, possibly, I, I do wonder if they might cut them back again in future because, hey, we've reminded everyone Addison's a hologram. We don't need to see it all the time. I, I hope not. I hope I that hope they... Not. Because it's it's great. I hope that they capitalize on making her more of an other in this scene. The fact that she, you know, is from a different time and isn't physically there, I think, adds to interesting visuals and interesting storytelling possibilities that they could capitalize on. I did really like that Ian was using their uh, true crime passion to try and solve some <laughs> yeah. stuff by looking at, like, the handwriting and stuff like that. I feel like maybe a way to tweak it a little bit uh, would have been for Addison to be there when Ben is looking at the note and then say like, hey, I'm getting a scan of this with the hand link. Uh, Ian, can you check this out and see if this matches uh, the handwriting, see who wrote this? And then you could kind of tie those t scenes together mm -hmm. so that she's working to solve the leap, doing some hologram stuff, uh, some future stuff, and then you tie it into the project as well. So they're kind of working in tandem and it doesn't feel repetitious, like they have to repeat information to each other. Mm -hmm. Like I think maybe that would have been uh, a way to slightly tweak it. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that could have been a way to go. I think that they were just trying to figure out also maybe a way to keep you suspicious of Trevor. 
too because he was he was big in that scene and he's holding it up and yeah. he's got the letters so i think that they wanted trevor to be more of the focus in that scene as the red herring but um what you're saying i think hopefully they'll do more stuff like that in the future we've spoken about that because we see them watching addison in real time back at the project and actually speaking to her through microphones um at some point yeah. telling her don't tell ben tell them this or don't say that or whatever they're trying to direct yeah. her and it would just be natural for them to cut back and forth if they establish that that's the dynamic going on. So um, yeah, I think yeah. that's a way to to tie things together so it's a, it feels a little less disjointed. Yeah, like and, like uh, yeah. Ian saying, "Get me a yeah. scan of that. I need that." You know. Yeah, you know, and if they wanted to incorporate that kind of stuff with the overarching story, it could be like they're helping Addison out and then Addison needs some information and they're like, we can't get it to you because Janice is hacked into the system or whatever. You're kind of on your own at the moment. Or uh, maybe Ian has to like hide out somewhere and try and get this information remotely and get it to Addison while some other thing is going on. You know, something where like these stories are kind of together, but they're still forwarding the, the overall plot. And Alison, I, I just want to pick up on something you said there that has just, it, it's added an extra layer onto a moment that I, I, I knew I wanted to talk about at some point in this episode, and I'm going to talk about it now because there's a moment in this episode that it gave me chills, and it just gave me chills because it was such a perfectly composed shot, and everything about it for me just absolutely came together. And I, I've, I've watched this shot again and again and tried to figure out what, what it was that excited me about it so much. And I'd actually miss the fact that one of the things that excited me about it so much is that it, it's a shot that involves Addison being properly involved in what's going on. And it's the bit right at the start where um, Addison's just arrived on the stage and she looks up and we're looking down on her and she says, Ben, that light's coming down. And... I, I I love the composition of that shot. At that point, you've got a, a just a, a lovely action-packed moment from Addison. You've got hmm. Ben running behind her in the background, out of focus through this pool of light, and you've got this beautiful music going on in the background, which for a moment just it almost stops being a song and starts to become soundtrack that happens to be using a voice. And it, it just for one and a half seconds, it's just I, I just I sat up and went, wow, this is a properly polished, amazing show, and I'm going to love the heck out of the next 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even stopped to think about the fact that also this is like one of the most involved um, that Addison's been, like actually just jumping straight into the action to say, Ben, some, something's happening over here, which is exactly what we were saying should have happened in 108. She, she should have been around the corner saying, Ben, this way. <laughs> and that's yeah. exactly what's happening now. Yeah. It's, I love that bit. Yeah, I think that looked great. It was a, it was a, uh, an exciting moment. And also, yeah, Addison's right in the thick of it. She's not right next to Ben. She's looking around. She can be on stage while this is going on because no one's going to see what she's doing. She's not going to get hit by the light. So she can just stand there and say like, hey, this is coming down. You got to do something, you know. So, um, yeah, I think like they need more of that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I think that they're going in the right direction here, you know, like that her own issues – were kind of tied into what was going on. Like, I think sometimes she kind of just, <laughs> she was a little overbearing with some of it, but I do think that it was, uh, the leap was really strong. And I think like, um, they did get some great moments. I did like when Ben and Addison were talking outside on the balcony together about this. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, they had some wonderful moments between them, especially there's this whole line where Ben says, We can't change the past. We can't change the choices we've made, but we can change what we do moving forward. We do this one step at a time, together from now on. It was sort of that reconciliation that we needed because what what I liked, um, again, about the complementary thematic elements in this was that you had um, moments where Ben could speak directly to Addison. And I think I mentioned this already, but there was also times in this where Ben is going against Addison, specifically in trusting Jamie. Addison is adamant that Jamie is not to be trusted. She obviously did the murder. And Ben, you're wrong. The reason most killers get away with it is because they don't seem like killers. So, Mm. you know, and he just, he trusts his gut. To me, that was a very Sam moment there where he he kind of bucks what Ziggy says and what the odds should be and just goes with how he feels uh, the leap needs to proceed so that he can do what he has to do. So um, they even used these thematic elements to bring in some elements that made me think of the original Quantum Leap and some of the stuff I loved about the original Quantum Leap, but at the same time, having that reconciliation at the end. And um, again, I hope that now that everybody's on the same page, we'll start moving more in lockstep with the Leap story and the project story and um, have it seem like they're all working together. This is something that I had mentioned in a couple of interviews too, especially in the Georgina interview, because she asked us, what do we want to see? So you'll hear me reiterating (laughs) some of these points in the interview. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself or will be repeating myself. I'll be repeating myself in the future. Time travel. What'd you tell her we want to see? I didn't hear it. I'll have to listen to the to the interview, I guess. <laughs> listen to the interview. But uh yeah, no, she she was curious. I think like you had mentioned up top, Allison, that it seems that the writers and the showrunners are listening to the fans. And um the actors are too. Georgina's not the only one who's asked us what would we like to see? Where are the fans? What do you want to see? And um I had Given Georgina that answer about the characters working more in lockstep with each other, and she said, I think you'll be happy with the way things are going to be going. Um, Very nebulous, but. I mean, we see that she's at the project now, so she might have just been alluding to that. Another thing, we spoke to the uh, director of photography, and I'm blanking on her name, but she was a riot. Albie and I spoke to her for a good 45 minutes, and she said, what do you guys want to see? She said, Chris, what if you had had your opportunity, what would you want? And I said, you don't answer to me. And she said, but we do answer to you because you're the fans. You're the ones that are watching. Uh, so I said, mm-hmm. yeah, if you if you really want to know, incorporate some more of the bold colors from the original project. Give us, you know, some yeah, of the Quantum Leap yeah. signature instead of just the CSI background. And she said, no, that's a good point. And there's nothing to say that we can't do that in the future. Although. <laughs> Although. Although. You say th- there's nothing to say we can't. Um, one of the, the few missteps in this episode for me and Chris you mentioned it earlier and then you, you went straight on but I, that's the second opportunity to met, to talk about this Al's questionable taste in fashion was never a questionable taste in fashion he was a hero using QL technology to save countless lives while making some pretty questionable fashion choices it was absolutely in step with the the fashion of the near future that we saw in Kill in Time in The Leap Back that was unnecessary retconning, and it makes me feel like 
the original series now is not remembered as brightly coloured and <laughs> and crazy. But it's just Al. Al Al was unusual and had had dodgy fashion. I think maybe Al had dodgy fashion even for future fashion. Who knows how the trends were going at the time. Maybe, but I, feel, maybe. I feel like maybe, but I, but I do feel like that line was trying to explain why is it so different? Why yeah. did he look so different than what we're seeing now? Which, I don't know, didn't really sit quite well with me either. But, um, but Al was always kind of nebulous. Sam always made fun of his fashion, but maybe he didn't remember that fashion was that bad. I don't know. Sam's fashion wasn't quite that outrageous when he uh, leaped home briefly. So, I don't know. Yeah, and you know what? Fashion fashion is cyclical, right? Like, I have some pictures of me as a toddler, like in kindergarten, first grade, family pictures of me in the most hideous little leisure suit you've ever seen. But that was 1974, (laughs) and at that time, it was the height of fashion. It was not dodgy at all. You look at that picture in, you know, 1980, 90, 2000, 2022, and you say, "What the hell were we thinking?" That sure is some dodgy fashion. So it's all, it's all, you <laughs> yeah, know, maybe subjective. the brief period in 1995 <laughs> to 1999 when that fashion was in, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was cool, and then it wasn't anymore. Right. Yeah. So there, there were two ways I, I passed that line in my head just to just to make it acceptable for me. One of them was, yeah, um, he had questionable fashion choices, but so did everyone in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is that may- maybe that's how kids were dressing uh, back in the mid '90s, and Al was old enough that he should have known better and should be dressing a little bit more more straight laced, like the uh, like the senators in Honeymoon Express, yeah. okay, something like that. But it, it still it, it sat as unnecessary, and they could have just glossed over it. But you, you think Jen, after that one weird harness outfit she wore. He thinks she has the right to be calling him out on his fashion choices. <laughs> I think the Snooky bump was worse than the than the horn. The Snooky bump, yeah, that was really the top, the topping there, and the cherry on top. <laughs> that particular hacker look going on. I, I'm just going to go and and don't don't edit this. Keep this all in because I'm just thinking. Like, I'm thinking this through, and I've just realised everything I've said for the last two minutes is absolute rubbish. It did need explaining because in the last episode we saw what the mid nineties looked like, and it did. It definitely did not look like mid nineties Quantum Leap. Standby Ben actually introduced uh, the, a whole question that needed explaining. So. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, At least I mean, there was a reason for that line. They wouldn't leap into a time the project. I always kind of headcanoned it in my head that it just looked, it looked weird at the project because it it was project stuff. You know, you got like a time machine and all this like other futuristic stuff. Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then sex again, world. I mean, I guess sex world and the electric <laughs> floaty cars. Or I don't and know. You were basically uh, <laughs> you were basically in in the episode that you're speaking of, uh, Matt. They were almost prisoners in a school uniform, um, being chased <laughs> by guards in guard uniforms. So it wasn't exactly representative. Of the mid-90s, it was a very isolated pocket. Is this going to be like Star Trek going to the 90s when they're like, what about the eugenics wars and all that? I don't know. (laughs) They're just going to have to avoid the 90s for leaps (laughs) or when they have leaps. Yeah, just um, uh, have them in situations where they don't really see other people. That's not going to happen, clearly. (laughs) So many people are asking what we want to see on the show. Uh, I know I'm almost never vocal about what I think, um, but here's what I'll say about this episode. I don't want to see time cops. I don't want to see people being arrested and taken to the project to to be held in the 
the brig or what? I don't know. There's a jail at the project. I don't think but no waterboarding. people who run, no who waterboarding. run scientific projects should have any authority to arrest people and chase down suspects and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I feel real bad. I want to be positive. I, I hated that scene. I hated everything about it. And uh, I feel like the actresses are so incredibly kind to us. Uh, I don't want to hate what their characters are doing but i just don't think quantum leap should have anything to do with cop stuff it just doesn't feel like anything to do with the premise i'll agree with you there i just think that the janice thing anyway i'm hoping the janice thing is a special circumstance because they're trying to solve the mystery of why ben leapt i don't think that they're going to get into the business of becoming like a time cop organization if they do oh god help us all but they did Jen went and arrested her. Janice was, she was, she was like, are you going to arrest me? She expected that she would arrest her. And she did. So this is apparently known that she has the authority to arrest people. And then even if she had that authority, why do they take her to the project? Why do they have jail at the project? At a scientific time travel organization that just seems completely antithetical to what Quantum Leap is. It doesn't have to be a jail. It's just got to be a door with a lock on it and a guard outside. An interrogation room? I mean, what is that about? (laughs) They're going to take her into the conference room in her zip ties and then shine a light on her and then grill her about what's going on. And it just, but that just, ugh. They can't involve, they, they can't involve the military or the pentagon or whatever because nobody knows what's going on what what was with the people with the military fatigues bringing her inside then well they must work at the guard their guards at the project the the uh. project always seems to have some military uh connections because i mean we saw navy personnel all the time whenever we saw the project in the uh in the old show so uh, and there were people in military fatigues bringing janice in so who do they work for I'm going to just say I have no issue with yeah I mean I don't time cops specifically yeah but I I have no issue with the new series doing something that is very different to what the original series did precisely because I was one of the people saying that kind of thing about Deep Space 9 back in the day and the other shows that have had reboots and revivals that have been that have taken a different tactic and I've been burnt before by saying yeah this this won't work because it's not like the show I remember. And I know that's not what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm I'm happy with that. I've got a hundred episodes of Quantum Leap as I remember it that I love. And as long as they do it well, I've got no issue with the new series doing something that that, yeah, does have some interrogations and some cool stuff that we, we would never have seen Gushy getting involved in back in the day. Oh, Gushy would have just <laughs> annihilated someone. And you you know, would have right? gone in there, you would have breathed on That's him. That's right. Then, I'll tell you <laughs> anything. Say, you want me to open this door, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going to be the bad cop and the bad cop. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think this is the same thing as doing a different kind of thing. I think it's, it is the opposite of what Quantum Leap's message was. I don't think we should be mm. seeing cops interrogating people about time travel shit. <laughs> If that's the road that the show goes on, like I don't know if I can follow it. To be honest, I think as long as long as there's a good reason for it, and like Chris said, you know, this is this is coming round to ultimately that narrative thrust of why did Ben leap? How's he involved with Janice? And they've they've got themselves into a point where they they can't just ask her nicely. There has to be a little bit of pressure. That's an issue with the story to me. To be honest. 
And just to Matt's point, for the record, they didn't arrest Jen. Uh, Jen just paid her goons more. So they became. She arrested. Okay, if it's not an arrest, it's, then it is a kidnapping. Yeah, it's a kidnapping. And that's even yeah. worse. But <laughs> she said, like, are you going to arrest me? And then she's like, oh, Uncle Sam pays more or whatever. Like, clearly they're acting like she has the authority to arrest her. Mm. If she doesn't have the authority to arrest her, then they have kidnapped someone and taken them to the project, which, why? No. <laughs> that's bad. Good point. Yeah, good point. Good point. I I heard some dialogue, and I only watched this once, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, there was something about an extradition treaty with Belize they were talking about. Uh, I thought they were saying there was no extradition. There's no treaty, extradition. But, so yeah, so they they there's no legal route. They can but have. I looked it up, and I think there is. But yeah. if there is no extradition treaty, if that's what they're going for in the dialogue, so that's what they said, right? Yeah, yeah, that was so she could hide there. They couldn't go through any legal channels to get her back. Yeah, she went there because she couldn't be extradited. So that means that they kidnapped her, flagrantly broke the law, t- took her on a plane, zip-tied her, and took her to the project, either uh, illegally or, or not legally, uh, once they arrived in the States. That doesn't come off kind of sinister to you? Uh, she drugged her mom and blew her house up. Who cares? That's sinister too. It shouldn't be in the show. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, I Logically, I get where you go in the story from there, but why is it in the story to begin with? And she went to Belize because there was nuclear power there or something? No, there was like- a new power plant. So she'll have all the power she needs to reach Ben. So she's going to continue to work at cross purposes with us. And then everyone kind of smirked at each other for a while and acted smug. Yeah. <laughs> And then they were like, in two seconds, like, yeah, she's in Belize. And then, oh, look, she's right over there. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the other issue I have with this. A direct flight from LA to Belize is about four and a half hours if you go directly. Commercial. So you got to figure they they got to prep the jet. They have to get. So say you can take a half hour off of that. All right. I'm just talking in air time. So that's four hours to get to Belize. Say five because they got to prep everything. Okay. And then they have to find her. Right. So how long is that? And then they have that conversation, which appears to have lasted all of 15 minutes. And then they have to get back to the airport, back to the project. So you're talking about probably somewhere like an 11, 12 hour turnaround time. And it was broad daylight every time she was talking to uh, Janice. Jen and Janice were having their chat. Meanwhile, the entire leap takes place. uh, It looks like mid afternoon to overnight and early morning. And I guess are they there the whole day because they do have the concert later that night? Right, I, I I'm, yes. tr- I'm yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. So yeah, so it must be just over a day in leap time. There's just there's a big old gap towards the end. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when Jen and Janice had their little tête-à-tête, and that's another issue that we have with this because the dramatic needs of the story sort of outweigh the logical needs of where are we in the leap as opposed to where are we in the project stuff. I, I went through the same research route as you and came to the, the same conclusion. And, it, and it's one of those things that in the original series, aside from when does Al ever get to sleep, it, it was never something that we had to worry about. If Sam had a three-day leap, whatever, some stuff happened at the project for three days. In the new series, they've got to try and tie events and the chronology of events in one time period to the chronology of events in the other. And this is the only time that it's been a, a little bit suspect, but not not too much, but a little bit. But nine episodes in, that this is the first time that I felt that. Usually, the length of time that passes at the project has been fairly consistent 
with time and the leap, which is 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 pretty impressive, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I noticed it more this episode, maybe because of the whole night and day aspect of it. It was literally night yeah. and day, night and day. And another thing would because I liked the featured music so much in this episode, I noticed the soundtrack a lot more in this episode as well, and it did not fit in at all. Like everything <laughs> about the soundtrack was just so brooding and like gloomy. Oh, you're talking about the scoring? Yeah, the scoring. The the it was just so intense yeah. and like it just didn't fit in with the feel of the episode. It was so generic. And I think that the episode suffered because of it, especially because you had such good turns with Deborah singing and, you know, you, you, you brought someone to actually, you know, create and produce a, an original song for the episode. You think that the music would be more of a star in this, but the, yeah. you know, the scoring was just the same sort of generic action scoring that we've been hearing throughout the whole thing. I'm hoping that they evolved that. Uh, once again, I said it before, I'll say it again. Somebody get Velton on the phone, please. <laughs> I I will just mention, and it, this doesn't override your point, but um, Deborah lip syncing, not Deborah singing. Oh, so they had a different singer. Yeah. I, I kind of noticed that uh, and because it's – I were- didn't – I. I just thought Deborah Ann Wall was a really good singer. Um, I was I was very surprised. <laughs> well, whether it was her uh, singing or not, I mean, well. she would have been lip syncing on set anyway, regardless. Yeah, right? well, but- they, yeah, they did a they did a good job of uh, getting a singer that sounded believably like mm. her because I I wasn't sure if it was her or not. But, but uh, I noticed that Deborah was she seemed to be emoting a lot more than the actual song called for. So she seemed to be she's, much she's more dramatic. The out of no, it, but she you know? she seemed to be like she was belting it out on stage where the song was actually pretty staid and mellow. So it, it hmm. just that was a little bit of a juxtaposition to me. It was a little bit of a disconnect. I didn't sense that, but uh, I definitely noticed the scoring seemed to to take a, a step back, and uh, I wasn't going to bring it up because I've talked about it before. I'm like, I don't want to just be, I don't want to sound like I'm being nitpicky all the time, but I did notice it sounded a bit more generic action this time around. I think that the composer that they have um, is capable of creating uh, a great score though, because we've heard in some other episodes, you know, Salvation or Bust and uh, uh, some of the other ones, the the, uh, the Earthquake one, I thought had a really great uh, score to it. So uh I don't know. Maybe they just decided to go a little more generic this time around, but I did notice it didn't quite gel as well. Uh, I did like the um, the songs that they chose from the time, though. Oh, uh, sure. All of the needle drops I thought were really mm. good. I liked Black Betty. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that reminded me of what's that Johnny Depp movie where he's the drug dealer? That's the first time I ever heard that song, so I always think of that movie. And someone out there knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. And they started with "I'm Every Woman," I believe, right? So, didn't we hear that also yeah. in the bar in the earthquake episode? No, I don't think so. Uh, I felt but... like we did, but and this has got to be the Shaka Khan version because it's 1979, and not the Whitney Houston version, which I think was a later remake. Uh, the bar was uh i get so emotional oh uh, okay that's right so i was thinking whitney houston because she also sings i'm every woman i believe <laughs> you were thinking of because you were thinking of the bodyguard yeah i guess <laughs> Spent the bodyguard in this <laughs> sexy bodyguard thank you very much mr jack sexy bodyguard armstrong. did we say jack armstrong <laughs> yeah he was the sexy bodyguard um i felt a little bit cheated in that um the 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 preview that they did for coming up on this season. Clearly they only had this episode and uh, parts of, if not the whole of the next episode to work with. Um, But they showed like this dramatic 
kind of cliffhanger with him like bleeding from his side like oh no ben's hurt what's gonna happen and then he he gets stabbed in this episode it's kind of a dramatic moment and then they cut away to some other stuff i think some project stuff or something and then they come back and then it's like "Eh, it's fine i didn't go to the hospital you got a concert to finish it's cool he's he's sitting up and he's like (laughs) like it didn't matter and it was like it feels like a little bit like you need to spread these things out if it's not going to really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> He's already been shot and stabbed in the first nine episodes, just as asides. <laughs> well, he kind of shot himself in the in in. <laughs> he shot himself in a comedic way. Yeah, yeah. That one was at least th- that was funny. Um, but this kind of felt like a little bit of a cop out. I guess they were just trying to be dramatic, but it felt like a really like comical contrast to be like oh no i'm dying and then like "Eh, it's fine what's up addison (laughs) we gotta listen to the concert (laughs) well addison did say you're gonna be okay and she would know i mean wasn't she a field medic she knows yeah was she a field medic she just learned something i think from someone like reviving someone in afghanistan or something i don't think she was a medic i don't know i feel like that she's got some some kind of on the ground training about that kind of stuff yeah, maybe we'll learn more in the next episode because that one involves uh, medical stuff. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I did want to say there's a, a new hand link in this episode or a redesign. It's mm. Sort of a redesign, yeah. I, I had noticed that yeah. too. It's it, it's not so much the sides, but we get a better view of the top, right? That's new. It was like whiter, like it was lighter, it looked like to me, and it had like buttons on top, and that's not what it looked like before. It wasn't, you know what, it it was It was more um, akin to honeycombs. So when I, I, I kind of paused it because, number one, it had a, a digital display with text, and it said mute, so she was muting mute. the hand link, so I guess you could- Yeah, that was different anymore. than what it looked like. And what it reminded me of is the only time that we saw Addison in the imaging chamber, she had those hexagonal uh, plates yeah. all around her, and it looked like they were borrowing from that look for the top of the hand link yeah. and the hologram or the holographic interface that we know is on the top of that hand link because we've seen it throw up a picture of Sam before, and I guess also in a decent proposal. Yeah, maybe it's supposed to be kind of a honeycomb design because they have like a little mini holographic display on it right. so maybe that's what they were trying to do there yeah, so it's a definite yeah it's a, it's it's a a very subtle evolution as far as i'm concerned um and if it is sort of a holographic display it can also go away and we can just have the regular sort of sleek round with the with the center circle that uh we've gotten so far so that way we don't have to change our logo i'm just <laughs> saying it's be more convenient no, for us <laughs> Very handy. I I like seeing them evolve it. It feels very much in the spirit of Quantum Leap and that the hand link is always kind of changing until they find, like, that's the one. It'd be great if, like, season two was just completely different than season three completely. Just shuffle through hand links. (laughs) You get more merch that way, right? If they're going to sell Quantum Leap merch. Get some merch. Please, yeah, get a uh, get replica props working on it. You know, they can uh, <laughs> create a bunch of the the new handlings. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I thought that was a neat little fan moment that we could we could we could cling to and see oh, what's going on there, what's going on there, and uh, yeah, I think they're just trying to figure it out, just like they did before. You know, like they're like, wait, we don't have any buttons. What is she pressing? Okay, maybe yeah. we have some buttons. Oh, maybe we if, we if we add like this sort of honeycomb interface, it'll kind of match the imaging chamber, and then like that's how they project the like maps and things from there you know I, I think they're thinking of like what are some practical things what might be some cool aesthetic things what can we do with this 
Yeah, and um, let's see how it evolves as the season goes on. I hope that they make the Handlink a little bit more of a player. I, I guess maybe because to me the Handlink was such an iconic symbol of the classic series that Addison's Handlink is very pedestrian. It's very workaday, right? It's 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 not. It doesn't have the flair. It doesn't have the questionable fashion choices, right? <laughs> in, yeah, I, I liked the one that they used in the original uh, pilot more. Yeah, like, I, I liked the look of that. I think that was pretty fun. And I do think that in the, the Earthquake one and in the July 13, 1985, they used the hand link more in that to, like, do, like, projections and other kinds of stuff, mostly because they were both pilots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it'd be nice if maybe they incorporated that a little more. But they don't have to do it just to do it either. Like, I don't think it needs to be just, like, an effects extravaganza. But it'd be nice if, you know, they incorporated a little more. Again, with more hologram stuff, you know? Yeah, and I... I feel like hologram is such an integral part of this story. There's always going to be some natural storytelling reason to show off a holographic effect or a handling effect. Uh, in other shows, I think it could be uh, a little bit too much. But I think here they have a perfect opportunity to do it in a much more organic way. So why not? Why not make it fun and futuristic? Yeah. Have fun with it, guys. Come on, yeah. gang. Come on, gang. So. Well, uh, I don't know about you guys. I don't know how much more I have to say about fellow travelers. Do you fellow travelers have any final observations? Yeah, uh, I liked the leap on this one. Uh, I thought like it was a, a strong performance from the, the guest stars. Uh, I thought Raymond Lee did a great job. Caitlin Bassett had some uh, some great scenes with him. And I, I like the direction the show is going. I, I like that there is uh, positive changes. How about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, very much the same. I think that the show is continuing to improve and develop. I mean, we're still only on episode nine. I mean, it's it's still early days, but it's uh, it, it's it's such a good episode, such a good one to come back after the hiatus. Um, I hope the fans love it as much as as much as I did. Yeah, I have to say, stars are aligning, stories are aligning. Overall, it's just a much more solid feeling show as we come back from the hiatus. And again, it could just come down to that confidence that you had mentioned, Matt, because they mm. now know that they have um, a palette to play with and not just, uh, are we going to be surviving from episode to episode? So it just opens up vast new possibilities. And I, for one, can't wait to see them. If this is a harbinger of things to come, I think the show is going to be going some very interesting and some very good places. And uh, I can't wait to see how it evolves. I can't wait to see how everything turns out. And I'm especially now so much more invested in the Janus storyline than I have been. And I can't wait till we get back to how this all ties into Leaper X. This is, yeah, it's just uh, like a lot of big shifts here that are bringing these things together. So yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. Can, can I make a prediction here? Sure. About the Leaper X stuff? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Leaper X, he's uh, got to take a side job, right? He's working um, Grubhub. And uh, and he gets called into the project like like Ian's really hungry. And they're like, oh, yeah, I need, I'm going to call Grubhub and doesn't know that <laughs> Leaper X is working for Grubhub. So, so Leaper X shows up. And uh, due to some mix-up, uh, is inside the project, but no one's there. Like, hey, I got your grub hub. And then notices uh, Janice in the, the brig or whatever. 
And then she's like, hey, get me out of here. And then <laughs> they're holding me hostage. And then and then Leap Rex is like, what? And then she's like, uh, you need to leap because of whatever. Um, and then uh, <laughs> we got to stop this thing, but you can't tell them nothing about it. And then Leap Rex is like, I guess. And then he leaps. And then that's how he becomes the Leap Rex. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? <laughs> this is... Beat for beat, what's going to happen? I'm just going to say. Well, let's hope no one is listening to that because you you know the way these things work. If that if that gets back to the production team, they're going to be like, oh, we had that whole idea mapped out, but now we can't do it because then if we use right, it... You're, they're furiously erasing their whiteboards, Pregler. They're, they're we'll erasing Grubhub off of the screen like we can't do it now. She caught the she she called the Grubhub. There goes that sponsorship tie-in. You son of a bitch! Uh, Damn it! <laughs> Alison Pregler strikes again. She's the world's greatest detective. <laughs> Her and Jen. There's going to be a side series. There's going to be webisodes of Allison and Jen solving <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I think that puts this discussion of fellow travelers in the books. Uh, but stay tuned because after the break, we will be bringing you our interview with Georgina Riley. A one-way ticket, that's the price you pay. Another day, another song. Traveling on. QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. This is Raymond Lee and you are listening to the quantum leap podcast. Hey guys, one thing I forgot to mention, did, did you notice how long uh, Addison hung out after Ben leapt. I mean, this is... We, we, right. right. We discussed it. Yeah. Uh, right? uh, hey, everyone, we're back. Um, but I, this is something <laughs> I forgot to I forgot to mention. Apparently, she could just sit there and watch the rest of the concert. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, this well, makes no sense to me. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. If, they, if she could just hang out, she could go to any point in time in the imaging chamber. <laughs> That's yeah. what I, I'm thinking. Maybe there's some leftover quantum energy or something. I don't know. Whatever. See, you think she saw the guy I'm like cannoning all over? Yeah, you think she saw the guy like that Ben leaped into sitting there? Like, what the? I've been stabbed. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just ignoring it because the song's so beautiful. Yeah, it's like, yeah, shut up. I was just escorting her to to rehearsal, and now I'm I'm stabbed. <laughs> so maybe this is now. I have a little bit of headcanon on this. Maybe because Ben has established a link with this period in time, uh, Ziggy is able to go to that period in time. It's just the new build. It's just the way the new quantum leap works. Yeah. Also, since um, you know Ben and the Leapy are cohabitating the same space at the same time, the Leapies all know too much, and Addison hangs out after Ben leaps every time to to ice them all. So that the secret of quantum leap doesn't get out, she's doing all the wet work. How does she? How is she icing them? She does the waterboarding. How is she icing them? She's a hologram. Holographic magic. <laughs> Holographic magic. Like she could, she could touch Ben the whole time, but she's been using these magnets and lasers these powers instead to. <laughs> 
to ice the leapies. Okay, I'm, I'm saying it's, it's not a perfect theory. It's a, it's a work in progress. Okay, <laughs> okay. okay so we'll workshop it. Hey, uh, hey, lest we forget, um, there is an interview that we have to throw to. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. All right. Yeah. As we promised, here is our interview with Georgina Riley. Joining us now is Georgina Riley. Georgina, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Thank you. Nice to see you. Well, I mean, we are so thrilled now. We've had um, every main cast member on the show, and you are our last get. You are the the, the big bad, the main villain, and um, one of the few characters in the new series that's tied to legacy characters. So uh, we're going to get into all the geeky stuff with you. But before we get too into the weeds, can you just tell us a bit about your background, how you got started in the business, and how you came to Quantum Leap? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, actually, first off, I want to acknowledge you guys for your attention to detail. I've been listening and like, have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I was wondering where Allison was. Um, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, no, no, I have because I find, you know, you get told about podcasts and you're like, I want to, you know, obviously you want to know what you're, it's a professional thing. You should like want to know what's going on and, you know, where I'm going and stuff. But I, I really do admire your attention to detail on things that are just, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. So I'll just start with that. You can, you can keep that. Thank you. Well, um, thank you. Uh, what, how I, uh, where I'm from. Well, I was born in England. Um, I left when I was 16 after my GCSEs, which no one will understand except Matt, maybe what that is. <laughs> and, um, I moved to Canada and I finished school there. And then my family is a bunch of artists, mainly musicians. Um, so I kind of grew up in an artistic household. So being, a, a an artist of some kind was just kind of the natural thing to do kind of like, you know, when you're born a lawyers and doctors and stuff. And, um, so I just started acting. I called, I finished high school and I called an agency and I said, I'd like an agent, please. Cause that's, I wish, I mean, I wish I had kept that, mm -hmm. that sort of like just assuming it would work out like that. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, they were like, uh, sure. Cause I think they were just so shocked at just like the directness of the question. Um, and then just from there, I, you know, I started working in Canada and, you know, bit by bit and show by show. And I met Martin Garrow in Canada um, when I was 24. So like last year um, mm -hmm. and on a show. And that's kind of leap forward, like all these many moons later. That's kind of how I ended up here on Quantum Leap. And did you know at the point that um, that you you auditioned for quantum leap that this was going to be a recurring role what what awareness did you have of this actually my me, i didn't have any information i didn't know what the character was i had no martin gave me a call when i mean the pilot already happened and obviously they were reshooting the pilot and martin called and said hey like how are you <laughs> well i got an email saying there's interest in you for a guest star on quantum leap and I was like, oh, cool. And right now I have a almost five-year-old and I've really been trying to stay in LA for work because I'm, we're all, my husband's also an actor and we're always traveling. And I just decided this year, I was like, I'm going to try and just stay here. And um, thankfully when Martin called, he was like, yeah, I heard there was a guest star. And I was like, oh, I'll go do a guest star. Sure. Like, where is it? It's in LA. Great. And then Martin actually called me and he was like, well, it's not just a guest star. We're not, you know, with these things with shows, you know how it goes. You never know, especially recurrings. It's just, 
how the storyline is going to evolve. And as you've seen with the headquarters stuff, it's just an ever evolving thing. And with time travel, you know, you do this here and then that changes that here. So maybe that person doesn't exist anymore. Like, I don't know. Um, and that was kind of, I was, he told me, I was like, well, who's, what's the character? And then he said, Dean Stockwell. And I was like, well, I mean, he's like acting royalty. Um, and I got excited. I had seen the show as a kid, like here and there. My dad and my brother definitely watched it. And that was kind of it. There was a lot of mystery. There, the way you guys are feeling right now was how I was. I still am feeling to some degree because, you know, the scripts are still coming. Well, it, it's it's funny that um, they had mentioned Dean to you specifically. Um, when they approached you to play Janice. Did they give you the background for the character, sort of where it fit in into the legacy of the series to prepare you for um, your overall place in the universe? I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, how much did what come before inform where they started to approach your character in the new show? Or if you can even answer that. Um, well, I, I, you obviously have seen what – at the time when I f had the first call, I didn't know – it was as the scripts came that this was going to be an – I mean, I don't. I actually don't even know when Janice came into play because they did the pilot and I don't know if Janice was always an idea or not. Um, but it was definitely going to be an important piece being Al's daughter. It obviously ha mm. comes with a lot of weight and a lot of significance from the original. And I do think it's important, like as a character, what, what you saw in 103 with what she went through with her mom and like growing up being completely groomed. I mean, I kind of think of it this way, like you guys love Quantum Leap, right? And imagine if your parents like created the show and like you went to screenwriting school and you were like, learned all the episodes, which you guys have, and you knew everything about it and every actor. And they're like, you're going to take over. And it's the only television show that exists like in the world. <laughs> and then one parent's like, actually, you know what? After all those years of prep, we're just not going to let you do that. So I think the reason why Janice, some people are like, oh, she's a villain or, you know, I'm like, well, it's kind of fair. Like she's supposed to be there and it would have been, you know, um, it was her legacy to inherit, in my opinion. Um, and that was all I was really told. But obviously as the scripts came, I'm finding out a lot more now because as you see in the series, this is very sprinkled right now as we get towards the end of season one. So that answers the question. Yeah, and I, th I think what we're um, – this isn't a question really, just a response to what, what you said. Um, we know uh, a couple of us have read the original pilot script, and we know she was in that. And I hadn't read what, the original, so I don't know. Yeah, so she, she does seem to have been a, a concept from the very start. And certainly what we're seeing is although there was this kind of antagonistic element at the start of the show – we're now learning that, yeah, she's working with Ben. She's helping Ben. The last time we saw her, she was, she was saying, she was trying to give Ben some sort of warning. <laughs> so, that cat tail? <laughs> yes. She likes to get involved in the interviews. <laughs> it was just so dark. And then it was like your own little tail just came up while you were talking. Um, don't yeah, worry. Definitely a cat. There. Um, sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, just. <laughs> 
<laughs> just an observation, really, and I, I don't know how that that affects your performance or your approach to the character. That um, she she was sort of set up to be the antagonist or the villain of the series, but there is obviously this other side to her that um, she is she's there as the support for Ben, yeah, just a support that we don't fully understand yet. Yeah, that's what I love about her, and it's actually been one of the harder. Uh, har- Harder roles in a way for me to balance and, and in the performance, especially in the episodes coming towards the end. Um, it's been really interesting because with what I can say and not say, um, you know, it, it's this how much information that one can give away and I'm trying to put this in a way that I can say it. It's been a really fun character because every episode has been slightly different and it definitely started off a certain way, but there's all this knowledge underneath it. And I think it's always fun when you go back and you rewatch something from the beginning, you actually see you, you then re-see it. Now that you know this at the end, you start seeing those details in the beginning. And I've been very, I have so many questions for the writers a lot because I'm very aware of the fact that we're going to, that sometimes things change. And I'm like, I want to make sure that what's happening here, you know what I mean? If you went back and watched it, makes sense with where we're heading, even though that sometimes changes. And as an actor, that's a really fun thing to do because I have to really think all the time of like, well, how would I talk to this person differently from that person? And why would I talk to this person that way? And what do I know? And like all, cause Ben and I know about what's coming. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely been an interesting juggle. Uh, when you were working with Susan, uh, playing your mom, Beth, uh, were you able to kind of uh, talk amongst each other about your backstories for like your individual characters and how they work into the Calavici family? And like, did you did you have any um, thing in your both your minds when you were playing those characters that we might not have seen on screen, but informed your performances? Yeah, we hung out in the trailer. I love Susan. It was very funny when I got the job. Susan had a scene with magic, I think, in an episode before I had a scene. And I met her in the trailer and I saw her and I was like, I get like, well, I actually looked this up before when I when I was talked about the role. I looked up, I watched like all the scenes and I watched the scene where Sam comes back and talks to Beth, which just is the most heartbreaking scene. And then the other scene I love is the scene where Al talks to Sam about, I think this is this is the reason for this leap is for you. Beth's the only woman I ever loved that whole scene. Just like, <laughs> he's just, he's just so good in it. And he's like pretending to not care. You know, he's looking at the, the hand link while he's talking to him anyways. And I saw the two of them and I was like, well, I'm lucky. Cause like, I get why I could be their kid. So that's like a nice, it's, you know, this was the way the role had to go obviously with these two already existing, which I think is so cool because there's this link to the past. And I asked her so many questions about, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, how do you feel about the new show? And like, what was it like working with Dean? And you know, all these, it was very fun. And we sat in the trailer for a while and we talked about, you know, when we were working on 103, that scene, we really had to, you know, I was like, well, what do you think? When, how long has it been since, you know, dad passed away? How often have I seen you? Do I talk to you very much? Like, what's our relationship? And but, um, Susan and I definitely kind of went through all those details and it, it had definitely been a while since I had seen her. But I think, you know, Janice had only just figured out what her mom did. And, um, so it was very still present for Janice in that moment, plus the information 
that she obviously in 108, we know got some information from Ben and why she's even doing any of this. Um, and yeah, we got to talk about lots of, it was fun. And we went over the scene and, and we talked about all those details. And I love that because I like hearing also what, you know, you kind of come in with your ideas of what you think they think, but then they tell you what they actually think. And it's always like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And that's the joy of creating something with someone. Right. And putting that backstory in place for just to inform the way you do the character. Now, as we saw at the end of 108, we've sort of had a, a sea change in the way we're going to be viewing Janice going forward. Maybe not such a bad guy, maybe just working across purposes at Ben's request. So potentially an ally. Um, will we be able to see do you know a little bit more of that backstory of how she was being groomed to work for the project? And then magic decided, well, conflict of interest, maybe too close. Will we get to see any of the lead up that led to the, I guess the initial meeting with Ben and then the stuff that, that leads up to her working against the project for all intents and purposes. Um, I can't say yes or no, because I'm not sure. Cause we still have like, you know, we still have the rest of the season. We're still shooting. So I can't say yes or no. You do there. I definitely have a lot of questions about my relationship with magic because I think I was groomed by, and this is my personal, what I've created for myself is that I was definitely groomed by my dad. I'm the youngest of the four kids. So I'm like the baby and I think that I was around, you know, all the others had gone off and I was with, you know, Al all the time and I was interested in what he did. And I think, I don't think that Al, I remember listening to you guys on earlier podcasts about like, well, do we think Al was just sad forever? And like, you know, it's an interesting, I think that he got on with my personal thing is I think he got on with his life, but I don't think, how do you ever? And I think it might've been you, Matt, or I'm not sure who it was, but it was like, how do you ever forget your friend, your best friend who's just lost in time that you completely you know what I mean? You'd never, you'd never go, you'd get used to it. Like we all do in those mm, yeah. ways that we can think in comparison, but you never, for, you would never forget because there's, he's still alive. Like he's still alive for all we know. Um, and I think I always had the goal of like, you know, I want, like, I think, you know, she had the goal of what her dad would have wanted. And I don't think there was ever an agreement that she was going to work for the program. I think she assumed it. Um, <laughs> And I, cause she's pretty sure of herself and she's pretty smart. And I think she was like, well, obviously I would run this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, cause that's the conflict of just assuming something that then really goes a different way and not even knowing it was your mom who didn't even want you to do it. Um, there's definitely, I think some things with magic, finding that relationship with magic. Cause there's a history there underneath, but also keeping the story going forward. You know, because as you know, there's so much information to get into these episodes. Um, but I've definitely thought about um, of that, whether we'll see it fully, like a flashback to it. I cannot say. I, I'm interested. You've um, you sort of mentioned a couple of times about you know, the relationship with magic and um, you know, whether or not we'll we'll see this develop. So far, what we've seen of you on set has been, I, I think you, you had the work with Susan, you've done some work with Ray. Have you actually had much chance to interact with the rest of the cast and crew, or have you been kept quite isolated? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know what would give away something. Um, I, without <laughs> – this was just more – I'm just more talking socially, if anything, that rather than uh, yeah, I was in terms of isolated. spoilers for the series. Yeah, I was pretty isolated in the beginning because I would just pop in. I mean, a lot of my stuff was me by myself, right? Like, you know, yeah. with the, right. the imaging chamber and um, – yeah, there was definitely, I was not around the main cast at all, um, which was fine because it's kind of like how Janice is as a character. Mm. But I did get to finally meet Ray, um, who, as you guys know, is just really wonderful. And Caitlin and, you know, on shoot days, obviously, when we're, we, you know, in the trailers, we all kind of pass one another. And so, but um, yeah, I've met, I've met more people now. Mm. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> what do you want to see? Unintentional fishing for spoilers. What do you think? What do you think that's going to... What are your ideas? Oh, do you want... Well, our, our speculation? <laughs> yeah, I now that, speculation. Um, Or what you want. Yeah, I mean... Uh, so, I mean, as of the time that we're recording this, it's just the end of 108. We just found out that Janice is working at Ben's behest to save Addison from something. Um, I think that now that we have that shift in perspective, I'm hoping that we bring Janice into the fold somehow and that we see all of you guys working more in lockstep towards a common goal instead of across purposes with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you probably can't answer that, but you asked what I'd want to see. That's what I would want to see yeah. because I'm intrigued by it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, I I feel the opposite. Um, I, I like the idea that maybe – Ultimately, they are going towards a common goal, but have different ways about it. And there is still this this ongoing, slightly anti antagonistic relationship where you have the project team trying to achieve something, um, and uh, Janice and Ben, I guess, trying to achieve some the same thing, but in very different ways. I think that could be an interesting thing to play with. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I wish we did this interview after a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> We can always have you back. Yeah, I think those are both really nice ideas. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very oh, kind. Goodness. Very kind. So you have gotten to basically have a fan dream. Um, your character is the only one that has handled uh, one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So tell us um, a little bit about um, the the prop that you guys were using for the hand. Like it was a little bit different than this one, and we've seen Janice now used it. I think two or three times on screen that we've seen. Yeah. Are you guys still using that the old stand-in hand link? Have you switched to because I know that you can get these now. Are you going to go the more colorful? Mine doesn't have as much color as that. Mine's a right. little more bluey greeny. Right. So yeah. I think Matt can give you the history on that. Yeah, so the the one you're using seems to be a, a genuine relic from 30 years ago, which is in itself quite a surprise to us. Um, so it, it was a it was a stand-in hand link that was used for kind of stunt purposes or rehearsal purposes. But the the fact that there's a, a 30 year old prop still kicking around, albeit not a screen used one, yeah, um, they pulled is, it out of very all cool to us as fans. We yeah, we we spotted it and um, immediately recognized it. So. so you haven't gotten to use the new ones yet, the the, the new uh, brighter colored ones yet. Uh, yeah, Deborah had uh, ordered two of them, and we we were hoping she was going to use them on the show. Oh, really? 
I don't know about mm-hmm. that, but I will say that when you mm-hmm. hold those things, you feel the fan base's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> You just do. You're just like, there's so much significance to this thing. And, you know, and I have listened to you guys and I, you know, and I, and, and other people who are like, I love quantum leap and, and it's cool to be a part of something that already has all of this connected to it. You know what I mean? So, and I feel it and I feel, you feel a responsibility too. Cause you're like, God, I'm out. I mean, when I first got the part, I was like, do I need to have a New York accent? And like, I was like, <laughs> watching out. I was like, you know, we're obviously 30 years in the future. You're not exactly like your parents. There's like, and Janice is a little more like has, there's a seriousness right now that's obviously going on. So Janice isn't getting to, you know, it's not her on like a Friday night, you know, it's, it's a serious situation. So, but there's definitely glimmers of, um, I don't know. Al was pretty dry. And I do think Janice has that in her as we see more of what's to come. But yeah, holding the hand link was very cool and having his ring. There's a lot, like there's things for me that I find because of the love for the show and because of the love for Dean as well. I don't know. It kind of comes with you. I know it sounds so silly because it's just props, but like they hold a significance that actually is helpful. Have you referred back to Dean's performances in any other ways to help inform the way you carry Janice, the way she presents herself physically on screen, um, anything like that? Well, I watched, I, I watched a good amount of Al. I also watched Dean in interviews in general <laughs> because I just, I mean, his career is very interesting. I watched like this 45 minute, just like interview that I found. And, um, my main thing with Al is obviously, look, we're dealing with it with, a different time of television and, you know, so things can't be exactly, you know, in a different time period in general. But one of the things when I actually just watch him is I try to think of it more like, this is my dad. You know what I mean? Like, what would I, what are the things about my dad that I like? What are the things that I don't like? What are, you know, those owl, what am I like? And I think that, um, I think she was someone like Al to me personally would raise you with such certainty in certain things in your, like you're, you know, you're just like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out. Cause like, you know what, like that was something that I have created for myself that she was raised to be pretty, um, confident and strong. I mean, um, yeah, though that's kind of how I've looked at it because to copy him completely, wouldn't really make sense because I'm not him and you're not exactly like your parents. Do you know what I mean? And then there's also Susan's performance and who she is as the character of Beth and what that would give um, Janice. So that's kind of how I, how I use that to the best of my ability within the storyline too. There obviously has to be moments to show these things. And I think it just depends on what, what situation a character is, is put in, you know, but I think the importance of the project and what the project means um, that is definitely right now, just a very solid part of Janice. And that's really her. She's just very focused right now on that. Are we ever going to find out why Beth held, uh, your character back from working on the project? She kind of mentions it in one Oh three. They don't really get, I mean, she just says, you know, she's like, I just didn't want you to, become like your dad about it, whatever that means. Cause obviously we, mm-hmm. that could mean lots of different things or become obsessed with something. Um, I don't know. Maybe Beth has, 
It'd be cool to see her again. It'd be cool if she has some information that maybe other people don't have. I personally, this is me now. I personally would love Magic and Beth to have some sort of relationship. I think that would be interesting. Um, I just thought I they were cute that. together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just feel like there'd be a conflict there. I don't know. I just thought that was, I was like, you know, I thought in their scenes they were cute. That's just me. Um yeah, that was kind of all she said is she just didn't want her daughter becoming obsessed with something. But maybe she was aware that this was, you know, um, maybe she had spoken to Magic a bit more and knew about what the project was doing and just didn't really want me to get caught up in that, you know. Because I do think Janice has a life. I don't think her life was just this. I think... I think Janice assumed she was going to work there. And that was probably, I mean, I don't know how long, how long has this been going, the QL program right now? Do we know that? I think that they were established it for five years. They were building it and then Ben left and they still weren't quite ready. Right. But um, they were at the five-year mark. Right. So so Janice was rejected a, a while. I think she'd already kind of, you know, she was rejected. And then Ben came to see her however long ago. Has that been revealed? Uh, well, we know it's at least six months. Exactly. Six months ago that he started disappearing off. Yeah. Hmm. So I think Jan- Janice had kind of gone off and started her own, like kind of gone with life. I don't think she was sitting around waiting for magic to call. I think she was like doing other things. And then Ben shows up and, you know, I think she's like, well, obviously, I mean, <laughs> You need me. Um, so, um, yeah, that was all. And I think maybe Beth, maybe Beth knows something. That's all I really know about that. And then what she said in 103, which was just, I just don't want you to, hmm. you know, like me with my five year old, I just don't want you to climb the thing. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. But it just, <laughs> not, just on a much bigger scale. Like, what if I got lost in time? Who knows? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Mother's should be a bummer. That, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I had a yeah. silly question about the um the Halloween episode, O, o Ye of Little Faith. Uh, there was a set photo that was released of the shadow, and it was the only photo that the actor wasn't given. And there's like some speculation in the fan community. Was that Caitlin? Was that you? Do you know? Did you play the shadow? There was a person like that looked kind of like you, kind of like Caitlin, but in heavy black makeup, a demon makeup wig. Were you, were you privy to that uh, during your filming of the Halloween episode, or were you all like green screen? Or I didn't get any fun demon makeup. Um, <laughs> okay, I don't know <laughs> who that would be. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that eliminates you as a suspect. So that's right. Mystery continues. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you enjoy uh, filming those little parts of the Halloween episode? Yeah, I did. I mean, I had to do pickup. I mean, it was kind of like a pickup situation for me, just getting in those last like moments and stuff. Um, and, uh, but that episode in general is very fun. The leaps are so fun. I, 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 I have leap envy. Um, cause I love, I love period pieces. I'm a big, like I've worked a lot in different time periods in my career and I love it cause I love, I just love what the, what the crew is doing, like in regards to like wardrobe and makeup and set. I mean, they're pulling these things together under like, it's crazy. Like every, you know, when you have a show that's set in the 1800s, the whole show is set in the 1800s and you're pulling everything in your set dressing and you're good. Right. But when you're getting scripts so fast and you're like, well, now we're in the sixties and now we're in the nineties and now we're here. Like, I think it's so impressive 
just everything they're pulling off. And then I get, yeah, I get, I get costume envy because I'm like, that looks kind of fun over there. Like I want to, I mean, I want to leap. Would you leap? Mm -hmm. You'd leap, right? Like in real life, you you had the option? uh, Only a million percent. Yeah. 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 I'd have to bring my daughter with me and me and her would travel through time. Go through, go together. Well, I think we're hoping since, um, ever since that reveal that Janice has her own imaging chamber that you, you get to do, no spoilers, I know, but you get to do more of what Alison's doing and having scenes in the present day, doing all that stuff and also popping up in the past. So yes, I need to show up in a bright shirt. <laughs> Smoking a cigar, maybe. Yeah, yeah a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Just calling, calling people nozzles. It'll be great. <laughs> You see me uh, leaping in 1970. I don't know. (laughs) Cut that part out. (laughs) They'll be like, she's trying to take my job leaping. I just like period pieces. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that's something we'd like to see. I mean, you're asking us what what we'd like to see, where we'd like it to go. Um, In as much as you can tell us, where, where would you like to see Janice wind up? I'm similar to you guys. I, I think I kind of, I never like removing conflict completely because that's no fun. I mean, you know, it's fun to have some, some drama. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, obviously I'd love, it'd be so cool to, to, you know, find Sam. That would be the ultimate, you know, for, for Janice to do that for, I feel like that would be very emotional for Janice, like through Mm. her dad. Like, I think that would be just that one scene alone (laughs) would be just like, I'd be like, I'm good. That was good. How great is that? That's so awesome for everybody. That would be a very cool thing. Um, Other than that, you know, honestly, I just get excited because when I get the scripts, it's not, it's always a little bit different than what I'm expecting now, which is fun for me. And that's why I like being an actor because I like just getting scripts and figuring out like, Ooh, what am I going to bring to this? And that's the excitement of it. So I'm just open for the ride because it's got a lot of options to it, which I think is what's cool about having headquarters is like, you know, it's a slow burn right now because it's all being established. But I think there's just, it's cool to bring in this new element to the show and have, you know, more things about what's happening in the day tied to the leap and like trying to fix the leap. And anyway, I think, um, yeah, that's my long answer. (laughs) Well, if you want to see if we can arrange that uh, Janice rescues Sam, Albie has Scott's number. So, Albie, you'll, you'll give Scott a call, right? All right. We'll, 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 we'll get Scott on for we'll, we'll put that in the works for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cool. And then we'll have to, I'll have to talk to you once you have other information where we can really, you know. Yeah, we'd love to have you We've back been hearing you that. One. Yeah. We, we've been hearing the same thing from uh, many of the cast members saying, oh, we wish we could talk to you after this episode mm-hmm. or, you know, when everything is revealed at the end, we could have a much more in-depth discussion about all this stuff. So we realize that, you know, there are some constraints that we're all under at this point. But, yeah, uh, yeah standing standing invitation to any and all who want to come back and really just let their hair down once everything has been revealed and we know sort of where the series is, is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love we'd love to have you. No, I know. It's one of those shows where you can, I think you guys ask really like unexpected questions or you have unexpected details that you notice that I find. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. I didn't think about that, which actually is helpful 
you know, in performance, when you listen to people talk about the show or things they like about the show, I actually find it interesting or don't like about the show. It doesn't matter because it all is like, oh, okay, that's an interesting view that they have. Like, how could I add that? Oh, I have this scene coming. How would that maybe answer that question? Or, you know, it, it's it, it's all interesting. And, and that's what I like about art is that whether you like it or don't like it, it's something that people are talking about, which is really the point of it is that you're like, oh, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. And, and it, and it, I think it exercises your empathy because you are seeing something through somebody else's viewpoint. You're like, well, they would never do that, which means you're understanding them to a certain degree. Do you know what I'm saying? Even if you're like, I don't think the character would do that, but you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all, um, I just find it all very interesting. People's different views of it. Well, we're gratified that, that you listen to the show and that, um, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's surreal for us because I've said this just on every interview. We're used to talking about a 30 year old show where if we do talk to a guest star, it's a job they had, you know, back in 1989. And let's say, what can I remember? I don't know. Yeah. And here you are in the thick of it. And, you know, we're, we're getting to speak to everybody in real time. It's quite a privilege and just, um, a great place to be as a quantum leap fan and podcaster. So, I mean, we can't thank you enough for coming, making yourself available, coming and reaching out to the fandom through us. I mean, is there anything else about uh, the Janice character that um, we haven't touched upon that you would, that you would like to explore or any messages for uh, any of the leapers out there who are listening? The leapers. Well, I hope you feel, (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what I would say. I mean, you know, I, I, I think, I, I, I mean, I hope that I'm not, not that I hope people like Janice. I think it's kind of, you know, whatever. I just hope that they feel. Uh, actually, I, I don't know. I just want people to enjoy the show, and and I hope that they feel that they're getting, I guess, through Janice, and I think there'll be more of that. That they get more of these details that connect them to the past, which is what's fun for the people who did watch the original series, and um. I think they will ultimately like her a lot more. Um, and that's all I can. And I, and I hope so. And uh, I guess thanks for being so, you know, welcoming to this. I know for the, for the main core cast, you know, they've been like, it's cool. I, Cause I listened to obviously Ray and Caitlin's and Ernie's. It was just cool. I know that they were saying about being welcomed into this new thing. Cause it is a big, it's big. It's not big shoes to fill. It's new shoes to fill. And it's also finding the balance between the new and the old. And I hope that people are getting at least, you know, some of what they miss and then something new that they get to be like, oh, this is different. Um, yeah. Very well put. Well, thank you very much, Georgina, for appearing with us on the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you. Guys, what did I tell you? Was Georgina the greatest? Calling Allison help by name. Allison, ooh, are you blushing? <laughs> you should. I feel, man, she, uh, first of all, she's great. Uh, she's really funny. And uh, I I do, I love her. Uh, you know, I have a lot of things to say about Janice, but Georgina Riley, like, I love her. Uh, and I love Nanarissa Lee, too. You know, like, I'll, anything that I have to say about the characters has nothing to do with the actors. And I feel bad knowing that they listen, you know, because I never want to, like, hurt anyone's feelings, you know, so uh, I don't know. Um, what I took away from that is that is that she's great, and it's yeah. uh, it's really awesome that she has such a, a positive attitude about it. Same with Nanrissa Lee, you know, like, that they're like, you know, the, the fact that people are talking about this stuff 
and trying to be constructive is good. So you know, it's good that that's the takeaway from it. They're very classy. Yeah, it strikes me that Georgina is having the time of her life. I mean, she just she just yeah. seems to be having a lot of fun. So uh, Nanarissa felt that way too when we spoke to her. And um, yeah. it's great because that enthusiasm, I think, carries over into the way that they portray their characters. I feel like they know how lucky they are to be uh, playing in this universe and, and to be doing this neat stuff. And um, it colors the way that they approach it in a, in a positive light. So I had a lot of fun talking to her. My biggest embarrassment, though, is I completely forgot that we were on a podcast because we were speaking to her on Zoom and we put this stuff on our YouTube channel. So, of course, I bring up the hand link. And all I do is hold up my prop and I didn't preface it for anybody who might be listening. <laughs> so if you were out there and you're confused, I'm sure that you eventually got it when you heard the bleeps and the bloops and the squeals. But uh, yeah, mea culpa. Uh, I got caught up in the video aspect of this and I was a little starstruck to be speaking with Georgina. So you'll all forgive me, I hope. No, no, no one <laughs> will forgive no, you for right. this. Then we have to move on. That was the no, biggest no. sin. Okay. <laughs> so, hey, uh, in that case, forget about all that. We have another interview. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Mr. Matt Dale and Albert Burge sat down with composer Jamie Jackson. And here is our interview with Jamie. Hey, this is the Quantum Leap Podcast, and tonight on the show, we're really excited to have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Jamie Jackson, uh, who wrote the song Traveling On uh, from the latest episode, Fellow Travelers. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to want to talk about the song and uh, the background behind that and your experiences uh, on the show. Um, but perhaps first you could give us a little bit of background and, and talk us through your career so far and what's, what, what have been the highlights and what's, what's got you to this, uh, this point writing songs for TV? Yeah, well, um, my husband and I are, are partners and we were um, making records as singer-songwriters and um, a lot of the songs were being licensed for film and TV. So, you know, when you hear a popular song in the background that isn't score, um, we call them needle drops. We were getting a lot of those. And there was a creator um, on a show called Scrubs, Bill Lawrence. He had placed a lot of our music on that series and he had an upcoming series and he was looking for a composer. And so he had us audition and we auditioned together and um, they gave about 10 composers a shot and they gave us all numbers um, so that nobody, you know, people had their friends or people they'd worked with in the past. Um, they just wanted it to be completely unbiased selection. And we ended up, that's how we got our first job composing for TV and film. And so we've done that for 12 years now. And then in between projects, we'll write songs, um, and make albums as singer songwriters and produce and, uh, produce other songwriters. And we get hired to do songs, um, for series like Quantum Leap. So, um, yeah, so I didn't realize you did a bit of both because I, I kind of, um, during research for this, I went back uh, as far as I could and I found your work as Hotter's Son and that mm -hmm. seemed to also be um, TV and film music as opposed to something that you'd done yourself that had then been licensed. Was that right? Or 
Have I got that the wrong way around? No, it's, it's the other way around. Um, I had a son as an electronic project um, that started on hiatus um, from uh, the first television series we did. I just wanted to have some fun and make music for no reason. And it ended up getting picked up by some local radio stations and uh, we got uh. signed by a label in Canada. And so I was doing that part time. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I listened to the album and it's, it's some great music. It's just, uh, yeah, as I was um, searching for the songs, I kept finding them popping up in TV shows. So I yeah. kind of figured it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Great. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe the kind of differences between um, getting an assignment for TV and working to, I, I don't know what kind of spec they give you, I guess they give you the storylines, the characters, whatever, versus just being able to do something where you're looking more internally or from your own experience? Yeah, I'm when I'm writing and recording a song for a series or a film, I'm telling someone else's story. And I'm helping realize someone else's vision. Um, and, you know, Dean is, is great to work with that way because when I, I worked with Dean on Bluff City Law, I don't know if you saw that series um, that he created, but we also, we did the score for that, but we also wrote some songs. And Dean really invites you into his world when you're working with him and gives you full access. And it's really invigorating because, you know, with Quantum Leap, I got a text from him on a Sunday saying, hey, would you be interested in writing a song? We're going to leap into the 70s. You've got, we've got two weeks to complete it, which means I have about five days to write it, send out the first draft. And they called me from the writer's room. So as they were writing the episode, I was also writing the song and he invites you right in, you know, um, a lot of showrunners and executive producers don't do that, but he makes the time. And then that helps your instincts to hopefully get it quick. So we got it on the first try because Dean was so welcoming you know, they were on their ninth episode. They're a well-oiled ship. I'm just jumping in. I, I don't, you know, I don't know the other writers and producers and I didn't have time to learn their language, their taste. And, um, and so there was just an open communication with Dean and the writers and, you know, they were still casting it. They, um, in the middle of the process of writing the song, we actually did a time leap in the process and changed the we went from 1970 to 1979 mm. slash early 80s and went less. The first idea was to go more country pop and we went more rock pop. Mm. And so it's a very fast and furious process because, you know, you have to have the pre-records and have everything ready for them to record live, have all the musicians lined up and, um, but it's always fun with Dean because again, he really invites you into his world, but he lets you do his, your job. You know, he, he's good at conveying the emotional arc and what he's going for and what story we need to tell and also what songs and, and um, energy was inspiring to him. 
So that really, you know, it's very different working that way versus me just going into my studio and going, you know, what, what am I feeling? Let me just let it out. You know, um, what do I want to say? So, um, that's how it's, it's really different. Is there a lot of like pressure when you're writing a song for an episode like this? Like when I first watched the episode and I heard the song, I was like, wow, this is good. How did I ever miss this? Or maybe it's original, but I, I feel like I've heard it and it's a big hit. So is it like a lot of pressure? You got to write like her main song that everybody wants to hear when they come to the concert. And this has to, cause I mean, the song really could make or break the episode and it really made the episode in this case. Is that like a lot of pressure to write a number one hit? Like even in a, in a TV show universe. You know? Well, thanks for saying that it so much pressure. You should have seen <laughs> the playlist I got from Dean and the writer drew. They were like, these are the songs and the vibe that we like. And it was, you know, all of my heroes, all of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I felt a lot of pressure from that angle. You know, because we're, as a musician, you're always striving to hit, you know, get that hit song. And, um, but it, it was helpful that it was just so fast. Like I had to go with my, my first instinct. And as I was saying, it, it shifted. Like we started with 1970 more country pop inspiration. So we're thinking like Dolly Parton, we're thinking, um, Linda Ronstadt, Nancy Sinatra. So we were leaning more in that direction. And I had about 24 hours in the studio and I was circling in on, um, a, a chorus and some, some lyrics for the verse, because you're also writing lyrics coming that have to mean something that have to support this, the emotional arc and the, the storyline between Carly and her sister. And then it also ties in with Ben and Addison and the whole thing. So, um, and I was, but I was, I was a little stuck, you know, midway through, which always usually happens at some point. And I get a text from Dean and he's like, I'm so sorry, Jamie, but, we're changing the whole scenario of the song. Like it was going to be an award ceremony. Now it's just going to be a performance. Now we want to do 1979, 1980. We want to go more rock. And I was like, no, it's all good. It's all good. And then that just kind of broke it down for me. I sat down and I wrote it immediately. It just fell out. So the work that we had done in preparation for the other direction just prepped us. Um, and I will say, um, I co-write a lot with this woman named Jamie Drake. I'm Jamie Jackson. She's Jamie Drake. And I knew that I wanted her to sing on this and be a part of it because, um, I'm a composer. I'm at home. I'm, you know, I've been at home with my kid through the pandemic working and she's been out still touring and she really had the spirit of, of Carly in my mind. And Dean has heard a few songs that Jamie and I have done together. So I brought her in as the vocalist and we'll get in the room. And so she was part of the writing as well. Um, and, um, and, you know, again, I just have to attribute it to Dean allowing us into his world and making himself available. And Drew Lindo, who, who wrote the, uh, the episode as well. 
um, because we were able to, we didn't get really any notes. We're like, that's it. My first try. And it, it doesn't happen very often, you know. That obviously speaks to the co- collaboration that you had uh, up front. Yeah. Um, not not to retrospectively add even more pressure, but you mentioned about the uh, putting the lyrics to the the, the storyline that's going on between Ben and Addison, the storyline that's going on um, between Carly and her sister. A lot of the lyrics also seem to link to the overall story arc, not just what's going on in that episode, just the whole concept of traveling through time. Yeah. Any pressure there as well? Just feeling like you're effectively creating the, what I'm guessing is going to be the song of the season. I assume that there's not going to be any more coming up. So this is, this is the song that's going to represent what we're watching right now as a, as a whole show. That's exciting. I mean, (laughs) you know, I have to give that to Dean because he, you know, I loved that he came to me and he was like, the theme is traveler. (laughs) you know and I'm like yeah that's that's really brilliant you know he conceptually had oh let me tie this all together um so that was under the guidance of Dean honestly who you know also it's always a treasure working with with creators that make you better at what you do and he's he's definitely one of them one of the popular things in uh, the quantum leap fan community is the soundtrack that came out for the original series. Is there any talk of uh, a, a soundtrack for the new series eventually or, or, and uh, was there any talk about putting this on an album one day or, or releasing it like that? Like in the, in the contracts and the paperwork, like, is that allowed for already? Or is that something that we, we want to hear this song without the damn actors talking over yes. it? That's, that's effectively yes. where you're going with this Albie, right? Yes. We want to hear that song. Um, yeah, you know what? I did bring it up on set because I was like, you know, the soundtrack is so great mm-hmm. and the score is awesome. And I did drop a hint to Dean and Drew. It was like, y'all should really consider doing a soundtrack and releasing mm-hmm. it. I think the fans mm-hmm. would love it. I think in the original series, there were three times that there was specially composed tracks um for the show and 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 each time scott Bakula got the opportunity to just sing the songs and everything else stopped and uh, so even before the cds came out we got the chance to hear the songs so i joke about the damn actors talking over them but (laughs) honestly this song sort of becomes background music for a bit and then comes back again so um yeah, I, I think there's, there's some unique value in actually getting this out as a, yeah. as a song. We're jumping ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, up, I think Albie and I are excited. I grew up watching the show, so it's a real thrill to be a part of of the reboot. In a world where a soundtrack does come out, are there demo versions recorded of uh, like the former uh, versions of the song, like the country Dolly-esque songs of this song? Hmm. Or could there be? Well, the funny thing is, is that the, when we were writing the, the kind of Dolly version, it was completely different melody, but it had some of the key phrases that ended up just forming. It just came together. It just, it made, it was like, okay, it clicked. This is where it was supposed to go, you know? Um, But I will say 
tonally the acoustic broken down version that the sisters sing at the end, it was leaning more in that direction. Um, so you do get to hear a little bit of how the song sounded in the other genre. Do you work uh, with the person composing the score uh, for the episode, uh, or is it you work separate and it's just hope that it works together at the end? How does that work? Yeah, we worked separately. I've never met the composer. So, um, you know, the producers just do a great job of keeping everything fluid, you know, with their direction. I will say that um, the one of the cool things about the song is the musicians that played on the track are actually on stage oh. playing. Uh, the only we brought in a different pianist because I wanted to be able to watch and make sure everything was going all right instead of being on stage. So we brought in a pianist, but. Um, the guitarist, the bass player, the drummer, they all played on the track. And I, I, I was like, Dean, can we please just hire them? Because then we know it's going to look great. Sometimes those on camera performances can be wobbly because the song comes together at such, you know, the last minute and people don't have time to rehearse or, Maybe it's an actor that doesn't even know how to play the instrument. Um, but Dean was very open to that and connected me with the casting director. And so three of the musicians um, did play um, on the tracker are actually on camera. And then Deborah Ann Wall was brilliant. I mean, it, that's not her voice, um, right? Yeah, I'm surprised. Usually I can tell. Usually I can tell, but I I really thought it was her. Yeah, yeah. she was amazing. She blew us all away. She she was really great. And then the sister that you know, it's Carly and Jamie are the the characters' names, and um, they were both really wonderful. Can you um just because we kind of jumped around a, a little bit and Albie was asking about the demo and you're talking about uh, how the recording matched up with what was on stage. Can you just sort of walk us through the process of, of how these things go from just being in your head to being on, on screen? Well, you know, this process, um, it was so fast, you know, the, the demo vocals are the vocals that we're using. Um, we, and that was, that was, was that you and your partner, Jamie? Yes. Yes. Her name is Jamie Drake. Um, and it, it, we felt like, like normally I would just send a acoustic version and not put a whole lot of time into it because, you know, you get notes and you need to redo things and we don't have a lot of time, but you know, I just felt like we need to sell it. We need to sell the, it needs to feel electric. And um, 
you know, the first thing they said, who's singing? Who, who is that? It's amazing, you know? And so they ended up wanting to keep her vocals. And what we did was the only thing I didn't record live for the demo were the drums. So once it got approved and they said, can you make it a little bit longer? Um, we lengthened it. We sent it to a drummer because um, literally we had no time. And uh, sent it off to a drummer who I was on Zoom and we were just, you know, talked through the direction. And then um, we added more background vocals and things because, you know, there's background vocalists. So and then once we nailed the full band version, they asked for um, a broken down version. And the first version of it was a little darker. And so they asked us to lighten it up just to give it a little bit more hope. And we did that, but we kept all the demo vocals. So all um, um, bringing in the extra tracks and bringing in the backing and bringing in the drumming, were, were you overseeing all of that, if effectively providing them with a, a polished piece to use in the episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I produced it and then I went on set just to make sure everything looked great. And um, we have a playback, a person that plays back the track and all the musicians have, you know, in-ears and, um, you know, just want to make sure that mainly that Carly, Deborah, who was playing Carly is, is comfortable and good to go because she's, you know, she's it. What was the collaboration like between you and Deborah? Um, you know, uh, I'm sure the director worked with her and uh, she had her own ideas about the character and the song. But uh, what kind of like conversations did you have with her about this song and like the interaction between you two? The interaction was um, not a lot. Just I'm here for you. She's she loved the song. And. The first time she ran it, we were just, it, it was a holy shit moment. She's amazing. <laughs> like, we're good. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, very little interaction. You know, I think her and Dean really connected a lot. Because, um, again, it was it was fast. We didn't even know who the singer was going to be until the song was written. So there was always that chance that the song was going to have to change, depending on who they cast. So we got lucky that it all just kind of melded together and worked out. Uh, walking onto the set was incredible because they had, you felt like you were, it was 1979 at a concert. There were, you know, there was the merch booth with like albums made and t-shirts made and posters. And it was such a short amount of time. It was wild. Did you get to keep any uh, any mementos from that, like an album cover or a poster or something like that? I think Dean took a few. Oh, awesome. I think Dean saved one for me. Oh, nice. Very nice. You earned it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How does um, the experience you've just talked about, how does that compare to other shows that you've worked on? Um, do you, are you used to getting to go on set and, and be supportive or are you usually more working in the background? It's both, you know, it's been almost 
three or four years since I've been on a set because of the pandemic. Um, I just happened to not work on a show that didn't have any on cameras right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and everything I worked on was um, virtual, even mixing episodes. So I was so excited. I felt renewed um, being on set and, you know, just a reminder of how magical the process is and how many people it takes and being on a team um, was very inspiring. Um, again, you know, Dean is special because he really does let you do your job, you know? And, um, and so I think that that's why the show is, is running so well and it's doing so well, you know, he's got a clear vision and then he supports everyone. I mean, when, I was chatting with the writer he was working with. We were sharing stories, like similar stories on how, how great it is to work with him because you really get to do your job and it's inspiring and exciting. And he's excited, you know, he's an excited, he's an inspired creative leader. And so, um, that's, that's, believe it or not, that's rare in this business, you know? So, I have like a nerdy question, um, like multi-part. Uh, what kind of software do you use to uh, uh, record and edit uh, your music uh, for TV shows? And like when you send it off to the producers or whoever you send it to, do you send just the mixed down version or do you got to send individual tracks in case they need them for different things? How does that all work? Because we don't know. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I use a program called Logic. Um, a lot of singers, songwriters, and producers tend to use Logic because it's simple but very creative. Um, a lot of the more technical uh, sound engineers prefer to use Pro Tools, mm -hmm. but I can use both. I just enjoy Logic. Um, when I'm bouncing a song for producers to listen to and hopefully uh, sign off on or give notes, I want it to be easy to download. I know they might be in their car or, you know, on vacation or on a plane. And so I bounce usually an MP3 that's, you know, a smaller file just so that I know I don't get a call. Like I can't listen to this. I can't download it. So I'll usually email, um, an MP3, um, to them. And then once, Everything is approved. So I didn't finish mixing, having the song mixed until they had it edited, you know, in the episode in case there were any notes like, can you get rid of the symbol or can you turn this up or can you change this background vocal? So it kind of held and I didn't hear anything. And then I hear from the music editor who's on the show and he's like, all right, we're ready to go. We're going to be mixing in two weeks. And I just send him over um, stems. So I group like the drums and I bounce the drums and I bounce, you know, bass and guitar so that as they're mixing on stage, they have control mm. of the mix. And then I removed like reverb from the vocals so that, you know, 
they will have created a reverb in that theater in the show. So it's all consistent. Um, yeah. And they take it from there and they mix it and, uh, and that's it. Thank you. That's inter interesting. Yeah. Thanks for asking those questions. It's fun to talk about that stuff too. I wanted to compliment you on the song. It, it's I, I know it'll be on my playlist, you know, for decades to come, like music from the original series. I think it really fits in really good with this new series and the overall Quantum Leap universe and the time it was supposed to be in. It just, I, I love it. So thank you for it. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Thanks. Yeah. The, the fans are going to love it. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it immediately. I, I had a very similar response to Albie when I, I was first watching it. Um, that it, it came on, and I thought this this is obviously an original original song from the seventies that I just can't quite place. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I started to realise that it wasn't, and it was specially commissioned for the show. I don't know. I know Dean said this. Um, one hundred and nine just followed straight on in production from one hundred and eight. They didn't have a hiatus, but it really felt like oh we're back after a break and this is this is something big and special and that song coming two three minutes into the episode uh really helped sell that kind of welcome back to the universe that's great because i know that's what they were really aiming for that so that's great to hear so yeah it, it's been great to to talk to you about everything you've done so far and um i, I know albie and i have learned a lot about uh, the whole production um process which has been fascinating um can you tell us What's coming next for you? Uh, where the listeners can find your current work? Um, anything else you'd like to point us towards, really? Yeah. Um, my husband and I are working on a new series for Apple right now. Mm. It's called uh, Bad Monkey. Mm. <laughs> We're doing that series with um, Bill Lawrence, who's um, created Scrubs and uh, produced Ted Lasso. And he's he's a... Uh, been on a bunch of things you may have seen. Um, and I also just released a single, um, with my indie. It's more, a little bit more rock and roll, um, called it was bananas. <laughs> and you can hear that it's hottestsun.com. And, um, my husband and I have a composer website, uh, was W A Z dash Jackson. And we usually post about all the projects that we're working on. And also I'll plug Jamie Drake. She's an amazing singer songwriter as well. Um, you can find her on Spotify and Apple just under Jamie Drake, D R A K E. Um, thank you once again for your time. This has been a, a really fascinating interview and, um, yeah, hopefully we'll hear more from you soon. Yes. Thank Thanks you for your so time. Much. It was a pleasure. Ah, oh, that was such a fun interview to lead on. She was so great to talk to. And I, I think we... Albie and I both went in there just being told, ah, yeah, she composed this song. And mm -hmm. I'd certainly gone in thinking, all right, she just she, she wrote some music, which is impressive, I can never do it, and then passed it over uh, to the, the talent to like actually play it and record it and stuff. And she was just unfolding this stuff as we were talking to her, saying, oh, no, no, I also did this and this and this. Like, oh, okay, the song was actually yours. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we didn't come across as too dumb. 
but it meant that she gave us a lot more. I thought we were just going to be interviewing someone who said, well, yeah, I sat in my room for a few hours and wrote some stuff and it was going to be a stretch. But actually, she, she gave us so much information about the whole process. It was, it was fascinating. It was a really good time. That's great. It's great to to learn something, you know? Yeah. You're always like learning new aspects of how all of the the stuff comes together to make the show. There's so many like different wheels turning even on just like just that aspect of the show. Like the song was great. Um a small portion of the episode. There's just so many hands in so many different things and so mm. yeah, really cool to learn about how that was made. Again, this is the kind of stuff that in 20 years time will be an invaluable record of uh, the behind the scenes goings on and it will be what beyond the mirror image uh, volume seven. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna have to go episode by episode at this point. (laughs) It's going to be the holographic uh, edition of beyond the mirror image, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll be projecting it on our hockey puck hand links. All of us, one and all. So, yeah. And um, the way that that interview arose was great because we've been having a back and forth with Dean Georgiaris on Twitter. And when I say we, I mean Matt and Allison because I never go on Twitter because I'm bad at it. But, uh, yeah, it's been great to see um, – him reaching out to us and sort of commenting on what Allison, what you posted. And it was a direct result of that interaction that got us this 11th hour interview. So it it just shows you, you know, they really are um, listening and they're responsive to the fan community and they're really making an effort to say, Hey, you guys, we're here for you. So thank you so much to um, everybody on the cast and the crew who's listening and supporting us. It means a lot to us. It really yes, does. Thank you. Like, I'm, I'm really grateful for the connections we've made and uh, just to be able to talk to them. You know, they don't have to talk to us. <laughs> but the fact that they take the time, you can tell that they're all really appreciative of the fans and the support and trying to make a great entertaining product. And uh, And it's really cool to be able to to speak with them about it and uh if we have any influence on anything that's great but uh <laughs> you know just the fact that that we even get to like hear about you know what their thoughts are and what they're they're trying to accomplish i mean that's that's awesome yeah yeah and i'm gonna delude myself into believing that i'm having some kind of influence positive or negative i don't know but you got ernie hudson <laughs> cast <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you somebody finally acknowledging my greatness <laughs> Anyway, if you out there <laughs> listening would like to acknowledge my greatness, there are many ways that you can reach us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can write us a letter at P.O. Box 542, Bayport, New York, 11705. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram like Dean Georgiaris at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can also see these interviews and follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Quantum Leap Podcast. And just remember, we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. And as I said, the YouTube channel's popping again. Albie's back hard at work. I don't think the guy slept in four <laughs> days. He, he got the... Uh, <laughs> The after shows for both episodes eight and nine are out. Um, whose interviews are featured in episode eight again? It's been a while. Uh, Nan Rissas is in there. Uh, Sierra Riley Wilson's also in there from yeah. episode eight. 
and Morgan, Morgan Felden is also, I think, one of the guest hosts along with Hayden yeah. and Albie. And, yeah. you know, as everybody out there knows or should know, Morgan made the handlink replica prop that I held up so embarrassingly in my Georgina interview as if everybody <laughs> listening could see it. So, Yeah, he talks about the, uh, the handlink uh, pretty extensively in the after show. He also discussed it in our uh, Quantum Leap show and tell. Um, he discussed it during uh, one of our uh, when we did uh, Curse of Pahotep yeah, with yeah, him as well. Yep. So, so yeah, he's Tahotep. I always say it wrong, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like, and I never get tired of hearing about it. He's so smart. Like, I'm like, sometimes I don't understand what he's talking about, but I'm like, man, that sounds smart. <laughs> you missed one other place you can hear him talking about it. For anybody who is a five dollar Leaper supporter on Patreon or above that level, I did a whole interview with Morgan. For for our Oh Boy segment. It's an interview segment that I have for uh, Patreon supporters. So uh, you can listen to him on that, speaking about the genesis of the handling prop as well, and what he loves and uh, doesn't love so much about Quantum Leap. And we also have a fun trivia uh, section in that as well. All that's available again on patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. So we have the many faces of Get Morgan Felder. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we have, uh, we also did, is has this been posted yet we talked about the uh the script for the pilot versus the right uh, yeah oh yeah that was posted yeah shortly after the hiatus yeah yeah so yeah. if you guys are just interested in stuff uh relating to the new show we have stuff uh on there as well like when we talked about comparisons to the pilot script to the final uh episode uh we got fangins we talk about just random stuff that we're into uh there's lots of content on there that's just for patrons for sure. And uh, let's not forget, the after show for number nine is also up now. You can go to youtube.com slash the Quantum Leap podcast, and uh, it will feature the video versions of our interviews with Georgina and Jamie. With special guest host John Irons, who's a longtime friend of the show, all of which should be plenty to hold you over until next week. Speaking of which, Matt, tell us what's coming up next. Yeah, so next we're going to be talking about episode 10, Paging Dr. Song. An excellent question, which I'm sure Dr. Goldman can answer. Uh, I just got her answering service. They don't know where she is. Who's going to deliver our baby? She is, right, Doc? Uh, Me? Uh, okay. You got this. And uh, we've got a synopsis here, which sounds really cool. Ben leaps into Alexandra Tomkinson, a medical resident in a Seattle hospital. As victims from a train crash pour into the ER, Addison reveals Ben's complicated mission. He must go up against hospital bosses to save lives and Alexandra's career. At Sane Elsewhere. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and was it the same train that killed Ms. Melanie? Was it young? <gasps> oh, no, it's on the damn train! <laughs> same damn train keeps rearing its ugly... The same ugly damn train! <laughs> <laughs> this seems like another heavy one yeah it seems like uh, it's yeah. this one uh, I, i'm hoping like for a multi-pronged yeah. drama with a lot of stuff going on and ben like yeah. being, i mean it ain't yeah. a comedy we yeah. know that for sure I'm, I'm hoping like the, the kind of the kind of scope the drama scope that we had in the earthquake episode and it's a disaster or what a yeah. disaster disaster i don't know um <laughs> people might also be interested to know that i pulled that synopsis from a brand new website 
being created by a certain Quantum Leap podcast host. Yeah, I never stop creating websites. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about that one, Matt. Yeah, so I've uh, I, I've been writing about various TV uh, and film stuff for years, and uh, I wanted to start putting it together in one place. So I've launched a new website, forevertv.co.uk, which is just it. It, it will be a uh, just a collection of all my stuff, and I thought I'd put the, uh, the a basic episode guide to the new series of Quantum Leap on there. So there's some stuff from quantumleapinfo.net uh, on there, but that includes uh, a news feed. So that's that's still going to have all the latest uh, confirmed information on the series, just like uh, I've got on quantumleapinfo.net, which will be slowly but surely folded into uh, forevertv.co.uk. Every time that you post like a new news thing on there, is there like the there should be we have a synopsis for paging Doctor Song? But yeah, all the all the synopses are on there, all the the, the photo galleries and uh, links great. to all the YouTube interviews. So it's um, yeah, I hope it's hope it's useful and and that news feed. So that will continue. I was looking at it the other day. It's very helpful and uh, linking to it on the uh, the Twitter account. So oh, thank you. So for sure. You're welcome. <laughs> so you guys should check it out. <laughs> it will give everybody something to peruse as they wait for the next episode of Quantum Leap and as they eagerly await the next episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. But until that time, I've been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Special thanks to our producers, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Joshua Burwald, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a barren space production. F you, Ben.